to Bad Phones and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Collateral Damage, released by Warner Brothers on February 8th, 2002, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Elias Codius, Francesca Neri, Cliff Curtis, Miguel Sandoval, Harry Lennox, with John Leguizamo and John Turturro. Written by David Griffiths and Peter Griffiths. Directed by Andrew Davis. So, released February 2002, a few short months after uh, certain events that are related to the topic of this movie. So, Yes, yeah, so it certainly impacts, I guess, the uh, not just the box office, but probably the legacy, really, of this movie uh, is somewhat, somewhat tied to the events of uh, the terrorist attacks in New York and Washington, D.C., September yeah. 11th. And I guess there were some parts of this movie that were edited, or it's not clear. I was trying to get some, like, hard like data as far as what was changed and what wasn't. I guess there's was a whole subplot about a, a hijacked airliner that got cut out of the movie. And Yeah, I hadn't seen that. Uh, yeah, I wish there was more information about all that because like, I, I couldn't figure out like where would that fit in this movie, et cetera. But uh, yeah, I wonder what this movie would have been if it had been made any other time because it's funny. I, I feel kind of bad. I've been using collateral damage as like the example of like, oh, this is the really the, the one, the you know, an example of a subpar Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and it's not a good movie, but actually, I kind of actually thought it was better. It was better than I remember, even though I don't think it's a, it's very good. It's kind of paint by numbers, kind of generic. But I wonder what that original cut was like, and you know, what was different, because you can kind of feel it, this movie feels softened in a way, like, or you know, maybe I'm imagining that, but it just it doesn't feel like it was able to be the movie. It, set out to be yeah i um i had the same impression i have not had not seen it in all the years since it was released uh it was better than what i remembered but that doesn't as you said make it good uh it was a different movie than i remembered as well it definitely this time through working on it for this it it felt more it felt different than a arnold schwarzenegger movie and i think that that was intentional i'm sure andrew davis had a lot to do with that yeah um, so in some ways I kind of, where I thought it was unfortunate is it is, is it is used as an example of kind of the, the downward trajectory of his career, but I'm not sure this one, you know, I, in some ways this might be better than Eraser. It just wasn't commercially successful where Eraser was at least marginally commercially successful. I think the problem with collateral damage is it's a movie where he's going into the jungle to get revenge on somebody. And because you've, They've cast Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're expecting like incredible carnage to ensue, and it's like it's that's more, it's, that's not the kind of movie it is. It's no. just unfortunate. It just sets up an expectation that it isn't interested in delivering on. It's not even so much that it can't or won't. It's just that's not they're not interested in making that kind of a movie. But you know, it, it's why I picked this and why I wanted to do that for Commando because it's just because Commando exists, we have expectations yeah. about this movie that that just doesn't deliver. No, and I mean a, a lot of that. You know, obviously as noted. Andrew Davis, I think, is a, is a big influence, and it feels more... It's not The Fugitive, but it feels a lot more like The Fugitive. Yeah. Or a Tom Clancy, you know, Harrison Ford, clear and present danger than it does Commando. No, it absolutely does. It, it's, even, like, the opening credits feel like The Fugitive. Like it, yeah. It definitely has that vibe. And, you know, Andrew Davis, since he directed The Fugitive, it makes sense, but... Uh, uh, it's funny because we were we were talking uh, on the uh, the Running Man episode because Andrew Davis was going to direct the Running Man. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And he had to back out. 
it makes me wonder what that would have been like. Maybe we were better off. We were kind of saying like, "Oh, it's too bad he's a good director," but you know what? I'm, I'm maybe he just doesn't understand Arnold persona or just not interested in making those kind of movies. Yeah, exactly. It's it's definitely going to be in the lower end of at the end. I'm sure we're going to end up ranking all these movies, but yep. uh, uh, I was surprised how how, li- how much I didn't hate it. Yeah, I no. really hated it the first time I watched it, and this time it's just like, yeah, you know, it's it's not good, but I think probably I. I certainly did not like it um, in you know my memory. I think some of the publicity around it uh, at the time that it was released, but then also combined with you know the even if it was softened edges, just you know the events and it's still somewhat close to to real events that you know forever change you know the, the certainly the country and probably the world. Yeah, I think all of that kind of got packaged in where it gets beat up more than it should if people haven't picked it up and watched it again. That said, I don't think it's one where you or I, after doing this, would tell people they need to run out and kind of rediscover it. No. So it's just, it, it's a movie that exists, and I think it's also somewhat of a sign of the times, because I, I did uh, a similar exercise for this one. I wanted to see what was released around the same time, and we'll do that towards the end. But there were a number of movies on the list that weren't necessarily action movies, but they were either thrillers or crime movies. I'm like, wow, I don't remember that at all. And I think it was maybe just a sign of the times. There were a lot of paint-by-numbers. It's just kind of movies that existed that aren't bad but aren't good either. I think in the wake of 9-11, it's, Hollywood didn't know what to do with itself for a while. And this, this kind of got caught up in all of that. Because, uh, yeah, we'll get into the details. But there are certain characters and certain subplots where I'm kind of going like, they, they seem to be going for a certain thing but then backing off of it. And, and because of when it was released, um, but yeah, I, I will say this. I mean, I think Arnold is good in this movie. Yeah, and he's giving a really good performance. And I like. I it's like I was saying, like a movie where he's going into the jungle to get revenge. You want a certain thing, but at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of of two minds this movie on this movie because I I want more. I would like to see Arnold in more roles like this. He's just a guy. He's a firefighter, and you right. know he's. He's doing his best, but he's not an action hero. He's just kind of a guy who decides to take uh, matters into his own hands. Yeah, you know, I just weirdly because it's all set in South America. You just you, you, any movie with Arnold going into the jungle. Yeah, you, I mean, you, what want, you, gonna... you want him just going going yes. bananas. You want him <laughs> to be everybody. John Matrix again. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so I guess let's dive in. And as you uh, indicated, it opens up, and the credits really feel the music and everything feels like The Fugitive, and you've got. Is this raging inferno of a fire, which, at least to me, it just feels out of place in yeah. in the movie. Uh, when you know, not the first time you watch it because it can't feel out of place because it's the beginning. But after you've seen it once, like yeah, that that doesn't really fit with the rest of the movie. Well, this this scene only exists to set up the fact that he's a firefighter, I guess, because there's no real plot. You don't meet any other characters other than him that are involved in the plot. And then it turns out to, even, to not it'd be a dream, I guess. Like, is it a dream or is this? Well, okay, thank you. You got right through it. So, you know, you get through this fire. He does some action sequences, runs and jumps over a hole. Right. He uses an axe to pull himself up. It's kind of like, it's shot from the top down. It looks like, it's like the, the Matrix shot where they jump across the building. Like, yep. I wonder if that was an influence or Could oh, be. people like the Matrix. Um, only a few years after that. Yeah, and they're both both Warner Brothers movies, so it wouldn't surprise me. They're like, "Hey, why don't we why don't we go use that uh, that That's Matrix true. angle that we used?" That's true. Just, just go grab that camera that we used. It's just, yes. yeah, whatever rig they had. Um, but yeah, and then uh, you you got to it. Then you just really you cut to a woman sleeping and waking up. And I don't know. Was it 
is it supposed to have been a dream? Is it not? Yeah, I don't it just know. went nowhere. Yeah, it went nowhere, and there's no, you know, I guess they wanted to really start off the movie with a bang, but it it doesn't accomplish that. No. Because once she wakes up, and she, it starts off the movie with more of like a, huh? Yes. <laughs> it's not a bang. It's just it's, like, wait, what? Is that real? It's confusing, yes. Did that happen? Did it not? I, and and it, it was a missed opportunity, and again, this is, it's not this kind of movie, but I would have liked to have had a big, I, I guess I just really like I would like Arnold to have a good introduction in every movie. This keeps coming up, especially with me, where, like, you know, he's just kinda, he just kind of wanders into the movie, like, oh, things are on fire, go go save them, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they have these masks, and it should have been like, oh, some look at that fireman. He's really going above and beyond. He's really saving the day. And then he pulls off the mask and gives it to that woman to like so she can breathe. And just, It should have been a big reveal, like, oh, he, there, it's Arnold. Like, yeah. Well, but of course it was Arnold, but still, like... It should have been bigger. I mean, in some ways, I had compared this to Eraser. In Eraser, you kind of get that, right? I mean, he comes in, it's Ninja Arnold, yeah. but he does a bunch of damage, and then, I mean, you know who it is behind the mask. Well, of course, but it, you still want to, the movie to make a big deal yeah, about our, big, our main character. Yeah, a big intro. He's just kind of, I mean, he, he does leap across that. He is going above and beyond the fact that he's leaping across that chasm, but, uh, um, you know, whatever. It's, it's a strange opening. It is, and so then you get it established. It's a little bit different, because you don't... Uh, you know, you don't get too many instances of, um, you know, married Arnold or a- any of his characters really having too much of a, you know, a female, whether it's a girlfriend, wife. So it's a little bit different. He's up, you know, build, building a rocket ship with his son, and you get a little bit of the uh, the home life. Um, not not a ton, but a little bit in in the in that next scene. Yeah, it's just basically two scenes. He he's woken up early to put together some. Lego-ish toy or yes. some, some kind of building. Connects or something like that. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell what it was, but uh, they're putting together the spaceship. And then uh, there's the scene where it's just like, oh, they're, they're showering and they're they're basically just planning out their day. Like, hey, can you pick him up from right. at this time, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, not much. No, it's really like, it's not enough to establish... It, you know, I, at least to me, it didn't. You, you didn't get enough if you were if you're going to introduce it at all. You either needed to spend more time or have, I guess, more of a connection. Because I'm not saying that the character shouldn't want to go on a rampage when there's not, ju- but they're, I don't know, it's just not enough. Well, again, to, to compare to Commando, in Commando, they don't spend a lot of time either. It's just basically, it's basically one scene, same here, except they're. Hey, they're eating ice cream. <laughs> they're feeding wildlife that probably is going to be slaughtered later for yeah. dinner. But it's a montage. Like, you get a sense, it's more of like a. Here's a here's a little sampling. slices yeah. of what what their life is like, as, as opposed to a single morning, and yeah. and then but also it's tr- it's it's almost in Commando you, you can almost feel like the movie being like let's just get this out of the way, yeah. you check know? the box exactly he like he really loves his daughter but the real difference is in Commando we don't really need a lot of setup because she's still alive like he, in yeah. Commando he's trying to rescue her so those are the stakes her life is at stake yeah he's trying to kill the bad guys so that he can save her. This movie is a revenge story, yeah. And in a revenge story, and you know, there's a lot of comparisons we could make, but the one I kept thinking about was Man on Fire. That yeah. movie spends, you know, well, both versions, I mean, the Denzel version mostly, but the, the '80s one does this also, where it's like they spend a half hour, forty minutes establishing right their relationship, so that when she uh, is abducted, re- abducted, and then uh, they, he learns later that she's been killed. Yeah, uh, don't, we won't go too deep into Man on Fire and spoil too much of that, but. 
that's a revenge story, but you, you're with him because they took the time to establish. Here, it's just like, uh, you know, look, it's, their, it's his family, and now they're dead. Like, yeah. you know, we'll get to them dying in a second. But you're, like, you're, and that's, that is, a, Man on Fire is probably a really good comparison, and it, that's a really good, you know, kind of revenge action movie yeah. that you, you're really invested because it takes time, but Denzel's character is really invested. I, I haven't seen the original 80s. I've only seen uh, the, the remake. So it's Scott Glenn in the... Okay. Denzel role. It's okay. It's not as good. I I didn't I didn't even know it existed until after Man on Fire. Okay. The the, the Denzel one came out. And I'm like, oh, apparently it's based on an '80s movie. I think they're both based on a book. Uh, but yeah, we're both. The Man on Fire understands we need to establish. You know, we need to make the audience care. And this this movie, they're dead before the credits are over. Yeah. Like, literally, the credits are still rolling and they're dead. So it's. Yeah. Like, I think that's about one of the big problems this movie, but. Uh, so yeah, so as you alluded to, you then immediately get to them that same day and the day that they've planned out that uh, you know their son's going to the doctor and Gordy uh, is going to pick him up. <laughs> I didn't pick up that his name was Gordy until later. So, but, oh, I've uh, got it everywhere. Like, <laughs> my notes, I put Gordy as much as I could. His name was Gordy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Gordon, but he goes by Gordy. I know, but still. I know. His name is Gordy. Yes. That I, says a lot about this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. So... Um, you you've got them. They're they're waiting in a uh, you know in a plaza um, around lunchtime, and they're getting a hot dog, just waiting for uh, for Arnold to come. Well, Gordy to come right. pick them up. Are we to believe that this plaza, like th- their doctor's office, is in the same building as this uh, Colombian consulate? Uh, I think you're to believe that it's nearby. That it's they just that's just where they chose to to meet or whatever. Yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah, I guess it's just supposed to be bad luck. Uh, so anyway, yeah, the, uh, their son. I, do, do we ever learn the their son's names? I, I don't remember. Uh, I think you you do, but I do not have it. I don't have down. it either. But uh, anyway, but again, there's not there's not really a lot of time invested. <laughs> no, but he's he's flying around with his toy spaceship that yep. that he and Gordy built, and I don't know if it's just me, but the noises he's making, the spaceship noises. <laughs> What spaceship sounds like that? Like what? What? What TV shows or movies is he watching where he thinks a spaceship? It sounds like a. It, it sounds like a vacuum cleaner. Those noises he's making. Well, maybe he watched uh, Spaceballs and he thought it was Mega Maid. <laughs> That's right. I maybe. mean, I don't know. I love how you're 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 questioning this poor child actor. And the well, he doesn't. He doesn't. That he, he doesn't do anything. So this is the one thing I have to. But like he, the, he's going like. That does not sound like a spaceship to me. But whatever. Well, uh, did you happen to notice who he was flying his spaceship around? I did. You can go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I, it's our good friend. Yeah, it's, it's Sven Ole Thornton. It's the, just the this, mascot of the show. He's, he's sitting in the in this crowd, smoking I, a cigar. I hope uh, he survived this uh, this blast that's coming in a second because we learned the the body count later and. Yes. It's not all that high, so most of those people survived. Yes, I'd like to think that Sven is so indestructible. That I, he, he's a survivor. Although I don't, he he dies in most movies he's in. It's true. <laughs> so maybe he didn't in the Running Man. However, that's true. He had, he had to go get some steroids. Yes, uh, score some steroids. I didn't I didn't notice him until I saw it in the trivia. I went like, "What? Where's Sven?" And I had, to, I, I had to go back and find him. I'd like to admit, yeah, that I I spotted him, but he's not that prominent. Not, no, not like Eraser, where he's basically like he just. Yes, smack in the middle of the screen, firing weapons at Arnold. I uh, I had to look it up here just uh, for uh, housekeeping. It is Matt and Ann Brewer, and that's only because I looked it up on on the page. Boy, I'm I... sure at some point somewhere somebody mentions it, but you know, it most likely 
Now that I'm thinking about it, it's like either the CNN story when they're you know talking about the casualties. I think that's where you get it. That's and true. I, I'm not sure if you get it at any other time. I think you're probably right. I think the news says their names more frequently than yes. Gordy does. Yes. So uh, they must not mean much, that, all that much to Gordy that he doesn't even speak their name. Or maybe he means so much he can't speak their I name. Mean, I don't know. It, you know, it's it's you don't need a lot of proof like that a father loves his wife and kid, but just the, a movie still needs to make the audience care. Yeah, we know that he cares, but we don't care. Yeah, so that's really the, like what it comes down to. So what you got is the then uh, the California Highway Patrol. Yeah, pulls up. He really, he really is like full decked out in chips yes. uh, gear and like, and and kind of T one thousand ish a little bit. A little bit. I wasn't sure if that was intentional yeah. or not because this. I mean, the tone of this movie is not that. I mean, is not tongue in cheek. No. But if it was, that that would have been a really. You know, a really good you know tip of the cap if if that's w- what the tone of this movie was supposed to be. Yeah, I, I'm sure almost any other post T2 Arnold movie would have built some kind of a little gag out of it. But yeah, this movie is too serious for that. Yeah. Although he does, I do like. So he pulls up this uh, this motorcycle. It was a three wheeled motorcycle. I don't yeah. know if there's a name for that. I don't it's know. Like a, I, I was calling it a tricycle in my notes, but it's like that's that's not what it's actually called. No, it's, I don't think so. It's kind of a tricycle. But I love the fact that he pulls up this thing that we will learn in a minute has a bomb in it. Yeah. And he walks away and he writes a ticket and he puts a ticket on someone's windshield. So thank you. I have it. Why does he bother with any tickets? <laughs> I and love that. No, no, but here's the thing. If you look even more closely, I think it's just a legal pad. So it's not <laughs> yeah. even, you know, I mean, because somehow they're able to get the gear that they get the full count, the chips gear, yeah. the motorcycle, but they, the, the one thing they couldn't get, they couldn't steal, was an actual ticket book from <laughs> right. the uh, California Highway Patrol, because it looked to me like it's like just a legal pad. Like, what is he bothering? It's like, did he, did he really feel like he needed to do that to blend in? It's just like, if I, I'm dressed as a cop, if I, I don't write a ticket right now, people will say, like, that cop isn't writing a ticket at every single moment, so he must be a fake cop. Like, I, I don't, I, it's, it's hilarious, like... Probably unintentionally so, but it's just why? Yeah, why is he writing that? So we'll eventually find out. And almost the entire movie, I never looked up uh, Cliff Curtis's character name. I had no clue what it was. He's just Mister Wolf to me. In the yeah, he's El Lobo. Yeah, I, his his the wife his wife character says his name. Yeah, I'm, some, I'm sure somewhere is it Claudio? I think so. I think it's Claudio. Yeah. So um, what what I had though is when you get the you know the reveal of who he is, I. Um, the the first thing that came came to mind, and this isn't when it was in theaters; it was this time through. I'm like, oh well, it it's clear that uh, he he's a bad guy because he's El Padrino, uh, Pablo Escobar in Blow. So I that that's the the one role I know he's done other stuff. That's but, right. Yeah, he's Pablo Pablo Escobar in in uh, the Johnny Depp movie uh, Blow. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but yeah, it's, that does vaguely ring a bell. Yes. So yeah, I, I I looked up his credits, but I know I know I recognize him from someplace else, but now I can't remember where. Uh, it, it had a, it, there were a lot of things in the credits, but the only thing when I actually saw him, um, you know, take take the punch glasses off, uh, Pablo Escobar came to mind, and maybe it's because I was remembering. Oh, if this is a Jungle Colombian movie, and maybe I just made the connection. Yeah, he's he, I, I guess he's uh, he's Maori. He's from New, New Zealand. Okay. He's one of these guys that just like, every, every movie he's playing a different ethnicity. Yeah. So in this case, he's a Colombian terrorist. Yeah, because I, I I think what he's 
more currently known for. I think he's one of the two or three main leads in the, oh, I don't know if it's a spinoff or what you'll call it, but Fear the Walking Dead, the second Walking Dead show that That's AMC right. is I do, doing. I do, I do remember seeing him. In so it's time. him and um, Joni Stubbs from Deadwood are the two leads in that. I don't know if you remember Joni Stubbs. She was one of um, um, Powers Booth. She she ran uh, the brothel for Powers Booth. Anyway, it do, it doesn't really matter. Vaguely, yeah, I'd, yeah. It's probably really. been a while for Deadwood. It has. So yeah, so you get the um, you know, you get the 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 bombing sequence occurs. I, it's I don't know it. I I just don't understand. Gordy gets hit with a taxi, and there's it focuses on his sunglasses up in the air. It's just <laughs> it it's really strange I, to me. I had a lot of note on the, notes on these sunglasses because first of all, they're the most the goofiest they, looking sunglasses. They are, and I'd like to say they were, you know, it was the style at the time, as Abe Simpsons would say, like wearing an onion on your belt. But <laughs> I don't. They, but they kind of were, weren't they? I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure those were ever popular. No, this is like po- I was talking about the Matrix influence earlier. This is like post Matrix, like everyone has to wear crazy sunglasses. Uh, Maybe you're right. Early 2000 culture. It still doesn't make it okay. Because yeah, he gets hit by the cab. Well, the bomb explodes. Yes, kills and or injures everyone sitting in that plaza. He runs and gets hit by a cab, and the sunglasses go flying. There's a close up of the sunglasses, and I was just like, the sunglasses, like, are these sunglasses a metaphor for something? Because they seem the, the sunglasses. I have a note saying that the sunglasses are so terrible. It's like they must be a metaphor for how terrible this event is because they're so ugly. <laughs> it's just like that's an interesting theory because I really struggled with why is Andrew Davis focusing on this? This is what you want to focus on. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I understand that maybe you don't want to you know, focus on the carnage. I can understand that because this is supposed. This isn't supposed to be cartoon violence. I do understand that. Sure. But why the sunglasses? I mean, because yes, you're right. They are ugly and ridiculous sunglasses. I just don't understand that choice. You know what they remind me of? Uh, I know you're not a huge Indiana Jones fan, but in Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's that Nazi who's the little like bald Nazi. Okay. Who's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And not thirsty. Yes. That yes. Guy. Uh, he wears sunglasses that are kind of like, yeah. like this. Um, yeah, but anyway, I, I I tried to get a body count here, and but then luckily later in the movie they yeah. made it easier for me. But I actually I I tried to try to zoom through. in. You know, and this is one of the ones too that I know we alluded to on an earlier podcast. This is the one where it's it's I don't know it it's tough for me to do that because this this isn't right supposed it's, to be fun. It's not I mean, goofy no. like cartoon violence, but. To be consistent, we have an obligation. To we do have it. an obligation, and I had the same problem. And I'm like, oh, thank you for the thank you for the news because the news <laughs> gave us our answer. I have, I don't have because the news report comes later, so I don't have it here in my notes. But my my count was 27. I know the actual what the news says is much much lower. Yeah, it's nine. You, it's I, nine. Yeah, it's nine is what I wrote down. Okay, so the, your your count has a lot of injuries. Apparently, at least according to the news reports. I know they they definitely list. Do they list injuries also on the news? Because they, 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 I don't remember that. The dozen. Oh yeah, no, there were a lot. Um, so, yeah. so we get uh, you know the FBI, the CIA is on the scene because they were the target, um, and eventually the Gordy's fireman buddies. We get uh, multiple characters introduced here. Well, before we get to that, well, yeah, that scene is weird because they introduce a whole bunch of characters that never come back. I guess one does. Yeah. Um, but before we get to there, there's the aftermath of the bomb going off. And the toy spaceship is on the ground, completely intact. Yes, <laughs> I mean, well, that's I, I think that just is how how Gordy is indestructible. It's a metaphor for Gordy. Gordy built that connects, and Gordy's indestructible as that connects is indestructible. I guess so, but I mean, it really does undermine the power of that explosion. Where yeah, it's it like does. this thing, 
It's it's like a Lego toy. Yes. Not, it's, it's even flimsier than a Lego toy, and even that that thing is perfectly intact on the yeah. ground. I mean, it's just there it's to a, show. It's a shortcut to show that they don't want to show a body of, of a yeah. small child. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I understand the shortcut, but you're right. It does really push plausible. The toy should have been something a little more solid. It's just yes, like, <laughs> like that's, a that's, dinosaur. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Something so, right. Why not change those out? Flip right. Two around. Yeah. yeah. A well, dinosaur with crazy glowing red eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that could be his, his son's toy. Anyway, but yeah, it's a, yeah, the hospital scene where he, all his firemen buddies show up. Yeah. So what we get is we get the introduction. I've got a clear and present danger connection because the uh, one of the FBI agents uh, is the villain in Clear and Present Danger, uh, and the actually the other FBI agent talking about the Matrix, the Matrix, the second Matrix, one of the commanders. Uh, down in what is it? I don't remember the city. Oh, Zion. Been, Zion, yeah. One of the commanders is is one of the FBI agents. Now that you mention it, yeah, yeah. I can picture it. Yeah. So yeah, the, the the other guy, the the villain from uh, Clear Present, Present Danger, Danger, his name is Miguel Sandoval, and he's yeah. one, he's one of those guys. Just like it's that guy. I, yeah. He's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. He's in uh, Jurassic Park near the beginning. Yes. Where he's yeah. just. Grants like me, he's a digger, and he's got the little the amber. Yes, yeah. Remember he's in a ton of stuff, but for me, I will always remember him for Clear and Present Danger. Yeah, he's he's so good in Clear and Present Danger. You fantastic. You and I talk about Clear and Present Danger on this podcast way too much. Well, but it's like, whatever. That, I mean, I'm, I'm with you that we, I, that that is a great movie. Probably at some point we're going to wind up having to do that movie. Yeah. Uh, and I, what you also get is you're right. His his um, fireman buddies at the hospital. I had. No recollection whatsoever of this movie, but I cannot tell you, despite the fact he never really shows up again, that Tuco yeah. Salamanca. Well, that's what I. That's what I was getting at. Was if they don't, some of them show, don't show up. Yeah, Raymond Cruz yes. played Tuco Salamanca on on, uh, on Breaking, Bad, Breaking Bad, and and now uh, Better Call Saul. Call Saul. He's 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 in Clear and Present Danger. This is like the whole cast of Clear and Present Danger in yep. this movie. He's and he's only here for this one scene. He's like, oh hey hey buddy, how you feeling? Yeah. Okay, goodbye. I'm not in the movie anymore. Why? I mean, he wasn't a star then. I mean, he's not really a star now. But he's a, he's a guy who has been working for a long time and has been a lot, in a lot of great things. And it's just like, and you've got multiple. You've got other fireman buddies like, that don't show up again either because the, his other fireman buddy, who I have down as Ronnie, um, was a recurring character on just about every season of the Shield. And I was like racking my brain when I've seen him. I'm like, oh, I know what I've seen of him. But then as the movie went on, I'm like, well, it doesn't really, guess it didn't really matter because he's not coming back. He should have brought, like, it, it almost, uh, I mean, again, we're, I don't want to, like, morph this movie into something that has no interest in being, but, you know, we watched the Christopher Walken McBain where the whole crew of guys go down. Reassemble, like this, right. This whole crew of firemen, firemen guys, firemen guys uh, buddies should have come down and be like, yeah, we'll help you. It would have been a completely different movie. I guess. Um, Maybe maybe a more interesting movie. I don't know. So you've got uh, Gordy at the hospital recovering, and then uh, he gets the key piece of information that uh, it was a police officer. Yeah, and he goes uh, to finds the, the both both FBI and the CIA are involved, I guess, which is kind of yes. tough to keep straight. But yeah, the the CIA the CIA is involved because they're down in Colombia, and the right. assassination attempt was on them. The FBI is involved, which. Um, I noted this later, but this is probably a good time. Um, it's interesting that who the representative is that eventually talks with Gordy is, later on in the movie is the Secretary of State. What's really interesting is it wouldn't be the Secretary of State today. It would be Homeland Security. Homeland Security did not exist. I guess that's true, yeah. Um, I mean, the FBI would still be the, the 
um, governing agency that would investigate the, the attack, but Homeland Security would certainly have been involved in that crime scene and recreating it and interfacing or interacting with Gordy. So it was kind of, to me, that was the one thing that I, I don't know why I, I noted it, but I'm like, wow, you know, it, things are a lot different. You have an entire massive branch of the government that yeah. didn't exist, you know, when this movie was created. All that changed between the time when the movie was made I, and the movie was released, because by February 2002, all that apparatus, was, most of it was up and running, I would think. I, I, you know, that would have been something interesting to look up. I mean, it wasn't, it, it was very shortly thereafter that the Patriot Act was jammed through Congress. Yeah, by the end of the year, I think. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, you know, obviously whether or not it was fully up and running, I don't know, but clearly the direction of the nation was, was getting that apparatus up and running. Yeah, because there is sort of a subplot, and this is another one of those things where I feel like th- there was probably more to this movie that got cut in the interest of not show, like not wanting to paint, you know, law enforcement and and intelligence uh, organizations in a, p- a poor light. Like, but like, there was there's a little bit of like tension between FBI and CIA, where Elias Codius as a CIA guy is just like, you don't have clearance to see that, and, yep. you know, et cetera. And it's never really touched on again. And and Elias Codius's like entire character is a little because there's that moment where he's. He, it, it almost seems like it's setting up a whole subplot where the CIA is going to stonewall the FBI investigation. Yep. But that's not really the case. And then there are moments later in the movie where he's kind of painted as a villain, but then they kind of like no, they definitely don't really back. follow up on it. And I, I didn't find anything. I had the same. I wondered if there was a different plot where he Peter Brandt was. I don't know if he was behind it all, but far far more villainous. And I do. Oh. Wow. Either far more villainous or, yes, yeah, stonewalling the investigation. And I do think in light of the actual events and then some of what came out, that information wasn't shared. And I don't know how right. quickly that came out in terms of release to the media. And it could have been after this movie had already been released. I don't know. But the lack of sharing amongst the organizations that did exist, yeah. um, I, I have a feeling they definitely backed off of what Peter Brandt might, I think, have been in the original cut. Right, because I mean, it, it's, it was a real life story around yes. that time of just the fact that CIA and FBI don't had, had information and didn't necessarily communicate with one yeah, another. Exactly. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the moving a cut out. See, I'd, I'd be the idea of Brandt kind of being involved with the terrorism like that. I hadn't even considered that. I don't know if it was involved with, but I, I just, I maybe more villainous is is the better way to put it. See, I. I, I Got the sense that that character was supposed to kind of be sort sort of represent. Well, we should probably save this conversation for later in the movie when we get down to Columbia. But it seems like it seems like there was there was a version of this movie that was kind of putting some of the blame on American uh, yeah. foreign policy in, 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 intervention and, and, and yeah. C, yeah, CIA intervention in other countries were basically like you know and and even even the movie, the version that was released like there is a sense of. Well, the the real root of the, of what happened here is because the CIA is is meddling in Colombia, right. blah blah blah, and you know, I mean, the the version that was released definitely does not hit that point hard because how could they in no, February two thousand and two? I think that was backed off. Yeah. Um, in mo- a, a lot of items, it feels like were were amended and and really softened so the edges. Yes, yeah, so that's kind of the extent of what I was I was thinking. Like, Brant is probably much more villainous in that sense of yeah. just like 
far you more know. overzealous. And the movie's called Collateral Damage. Basically, like I, I almost feel like at some point that character would have had the point of view of like, look, it's sorry, I'm sorry your family died, but we need to continue to do our operations in Colombia. Right. This is this is collateral damage from the CIA operation. Right. And it's a, but. Basically, Brant saying, like, look, tough. We got to do what we got to do. Yeah, because the impact on the streets from additional drugs impacts more lives than the nine that were... Or whatever, yeah. yeah. How, however he would uh, justify. justify it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think the movie would have been better. Probably. They couldn't. There's, they, they, yeah, there's no way you, they could have released it. It was already going to have issues being released. There's just no way that it would have been accepted at yeah. that time. It's hard, it's hard to forget. It's been so long now just how, like, restrictive, like, what the cult... What, what, it felt like that, no. or just like they would have been labeled as like un-American. It's Absolutely. just like it was so extreme at the time. So like they would have they would have gotten just run through the coals if they had released a movie that basically yeah. said the CIA is is the root like or whatever like American interventionism is the root cause of terror homeland terrorism. Like absolutely, they, they would have been dead. When there's an episode of The Simpsons that I distinctly remember. Um, and it, it's not the New York episode, which I know for years didn't, they cut the, the Twin Towers scene in syndication. Yeah. I'm not sure we're, I think we've moved past that. But what I want to say is there's an episode, I think it's the Dredderick Tatum episode, where uh, the ringside announcer says, and by popular demand, we will forego our national anthem. <laughs> oh, right, and, that's right. And th- so to me, uh, what what you just touched on in terms of patriotism and how it could so easily be, you know, un-American around this time yeah. is that not, you know, you go six months or a year before that joke probably would have been completely fine. But in terms of the national anthems importance at sporting events around that time and for years and, and still today, but I think it's softened a little bit, but right around that time, that would have, that joke would not have been appropriate and would not have been accepted. The, you know, making light of, the national anthem doesn't have an importance right around you know September 11th. Absolutely not. Did that get cut from syndicated? I don't know. Line? I don't know if that got cut, but it just is a joke that I remembered. I'm like, wow, you know, that <laughs> right. you couldn't do that yeah. around that time. I think today we we've moved past it, but definitely I would say years after September 11th, that that would not have flown. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, from the recreation of the FBI crime scene, what I had is that it really does feel like the fugitive, and like Tommy Lee Jones should be the, in there directing things. Yeah. Um, what? But, but you get a couple of other things. You get the wolf is identified, uh, and what you also get is Gordy's walking there. It, it was hard for me to hear, but Gordy uh, says that he was in bombs and arson, and that certainly is just dropped in there to establish later on down in Colombia that. Right, he's a bomb expert. Yes. Uh, Does the fire department have, like, bomb and arson? I guess arson makes sense, but bomb experts? I mean, arson for the investigation, because you've got Robert De Niro in backdraft, of course, um, investigating arson. But in terms of bombs, I'm I'm certainly not an expert, but that seems more along the lines of the military and the police. The police, yeah. Like... You know, firefighters can show up after the bomb's gone off. Right. You know, like, deal with the but fire. They're not, but they're not there designing and or disarming bombs. Yeah, it seems strange to me. I mean, I, I, I'll i buy it. It's Like you said, like, I don't know enough about how all that would work. But the idea that the fire fire department wouldn't have a bomb expert, I mean, I guess maybe it's just like, well, let's just have someone just in case we ever need someone, like a bomb. I guess. <laughs> Better I, to I, have a bomb expert and not need one or whatever. I think it's one of those uh, that we joke about. Just write a line of dialogue that establishes that. Right. He can make bombs later on. Well, that's I, I, I don't really know why he's a firefighter in this movie. He could have been anything. He could have been. I'm not sure why they chose that either. He could have been a cop. He could have been, you know, he could have been on the bomb squad, and that would have 
probably made more sense. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but... It doesn't. I just, I wonder if it was to have Arnold be something else. I honestly, it, it feels like that. It's, a little, it's kind of blue collar, and yeah. he's, he's an everyman. Yeah. But, yeah, it goes back to casting. Like, casting Arnold as an everyman... Part of me, I, I don't have two minds about it. Part of me is like, yeah, you should play more every, everyday people, but, you know, it, it, you have to, if you're going to cast Arnold as an everyman, you have to really, like, set Sell it. it. Yeah, exactly. Because he's really not. So after this, uh, Peter Brandt gives Gordy his card, and then you've got kind of the morning, you got, I, I'm not sure that, again, I'm not an expert that they would have the full funeral with bagpipes yeah, for was, family? I, was, I wasn't sure about that either. I, I, the only thing I said is that because of the circumstances and it's a terrorist act, you know, maybe it would go kind of above and beyond. Is that a fire department tradition also, the bagpipes? I, I think so, but I mean, okay. I, I, I don't, again, I'm not an expert, but I, I think it is for both police and fire. I guess if that's true, because yeah, I, like, I know that's a cop thing. Yeah. But yeah, the bagpipes were... Uh, yeah, I, I will say this. I'm it, sure it's true. I, and I'm sure it's still done. It does not feel like an L.A. thing, though. In ter- for, and maybe it's just because we're from Chicago. But it, it feels like a Chicago, New York. I, and I'm sure it probably is still done just in the, you know, the history and tradition right. of the police department. But it, it does not feel... Like with the L.A. setting, it just it felt out of place. But yeah, so the, the, Gordy helps them identify that it was El Lobo. And- yes. Uh, he goes, home, yeah, there's the funeral and he goes home and there's a news report where you, you see, you see like a shadowy figure claiming to be Al Lobo or is it just, they're just a representative of that, that, uh, that army, the Colombian liberation, whatever. Uh, I think it's just supposed to be a local representative. Well, no, there's that also. Because first you get the video of, of. Oh, the vi- no, the video I think is supposed to be. It's supposed to be El Lobo. Yeah. It's, it's someone claiming to be El Lobo. Yeah. And they do a crazy hand gesture. Yes. <laughs> so which, which comes back later. And the first only, time watching, it's just like, what is that gesture? It's like, well, it's just a strange thing. It, it is strange. What was also strange is in Gordy's Gordy's morning morning period, you've just got this weird like white screen cuts that are in there, and it doesn't really go anywhere. I don't know if you noticed it. It just was strange to me. I I didn't understand it. Oh, like flashbacks? You mean like? But that's just it. It, it wasn't flashbacks. It was just Gordy on the couch, and then white screen, and then oh. something else. I. It's sort of like the sunglasses. I would love to get him 20 minutes with Andrew Davis. What was going on with this stuff? Because it didn't make any sense to me. It's probably just I don't, he's, you, he's disoriented or something. That's trying to, supposed to represent something like that. It seemed like it was a flashback where they forgot to put, put what they were flashing back to. <laughs> right. He's just like, you know, insert, he's remembering something. You insert don't get the scene here. Right. And they never inserted the scene there. Scene missing. Yes. But yes, then I do have that you get the... For the very first of the hand slap, which was what's going on there, and, uh, and then the local representative, local representative, with then delivering the line. Yeah, let's let's talk about this guy because he never comes back either. He's he's some local like it's a it's a I don't know what you'd call it. Like I don't know if it's an affiliate of the ALC, but it effectively is somebody who is a U, a U.S. citizen who is sympathetic. It's an organization that supports the yes. ALC. Yes, and they're they're on the news. And, yes, getting uh, kind of the counterpoint, if you will. Uh, I, I, I want to play this clip, and I know this isn't like we're we, we're not like haven't been like having a lot of fun with this movie, but the way he says the title, the title line of the movie, yes. uh, I love his dramatic pause. So I'm just gonna on behalf of the skip past uh, sangre o libertad. <laughs> okay, there's the gesture. 
I, more, I, we go to Jenny Luce in this Austin. this representative, whoever this guy is, the way I'm he pauses and he like glances at the camera. For the Latin American Solidarity Committee, a group known to be sympathetic to the Army of Colombian Liberation. Sir, you characterize the ALC as freedom fighters. Isn't the bombing here in fact just a brutal act of terrorism? The wolf did nothing but bring to the United States what the United States has brought to Colombia. But surely the killing of innocent people like Anne watch, and Matt watch this guy's like little glance at the camera. Act. The deaths of the mother and the little boy are regrettable. It's called collateral damage. <laughs> he like, is a little like uh, he's a little embarrassed. Even yes, he's like, it's... Oh, I've got to give the title, and then let's let's let this clip play because this next scene. It's. I mean, there's not that a lot of funny scenes in this movie. Oh, this, this is, is, is kind of funny. This is funny and probably my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> so I, all I had is Gordy brings in some collateral damage of his own. Yeah. So, so this is this guy's office, and the FBI's watching him. Here he comes. I'm not gonna change. He barges in. It's rampage. Collateral damage, huh? I give you collateral damage. Just flipping tables. Flipping tables. Tearing down. It looks like a fireman. Move in. Go now. Go. <laughs> and they just got a baseball bat so you can grab it and smash it. It's, it's like office space where he's just giving the fax machine yeah, the business. It really, it really is. You tell me about the wolfing. I don't know. I don't know. Tell me about the wolfing. So uh, FBI yeah. barging in. When the FBI comes. <laughs> here, I just want to pl- play it through his his taser acting here. Okay. Turn yeah, that's that scene is. It is pretty funny. It's the most over the top scene in this movie. Where By far just like, away. I'll show you collateral damage. Uh, it is the most Arnold scene in the entire movie. It is, and I mean, it, it's it works from a dramatic point of view, but it's also kind of like. Yeah, <laughs> I think it works for both purposes. That yeah. it it's still dramatic enough, but it's Arnold destroying things in a silly way. Yeah, it's really the most destruction he does in this movie. He yeah. does, he does occasionally set off a bomb, but uh, no, it's this nice is to see him on a rampage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Gordy gets arrested and, um, you, we, the audience figures out what, you know, Gordy claims, which is the wolf is probably already gone and back in Columbia. Oh, and then is this where the hearing happens? Yeah. Like, so then you've got Brant effectively being shut down by the Senate. Right. Um, although the nameplates kind of confused me cause I, I just always thought at a Senate hearing you would have, um, the, the title of Senator. On it, but it's just Mister and Miss or Misses. But maybe because if it's a Senate hearing, all of all of them are senators, and it's just assumed. I just, I, I it was unclear to me at first where where this was. I mean, it had to be right because yeah. don't they say it's like a Senate intelligence hearing? Yeah, no, I, I think it is. I just, I, I don't know why I had that as a note that I was confused. It so, was just me being foolish. But anyway, they tell Brandt he's got seventy two hours to get his operatives out to of clear out Columbia. Yep. I've been out here saying, like, boy, this really is clear and present danger. That's what I going to say is is. Brant going to have to go and use his business card to get himself a, a Huey, or is he going to have his own chopper? Well, that's the thing. I couldn't figure out which character he would be. Is he Is he uh, Willem Dafoe? Or? I think he's more Willem Dafoe than he is Jack he's, Ryan. He, no, I, was, I thought maybe he was the Mr. I have a get-out-of-jail-free card. Oh, uh, Cutter? Cutter, yeah. I, I thought maybe he would be that guy. <laughs> that, that, you know, it's maybe a little bit of a combination of both. And let me just say, by the way, in case we never do that movie, Cutter is such a 
great character, and that actor is perfect. That actor is amazing. He's uh, I, he's only been in two things that I can think of. He's in that, and he's in the first Mission Impossible. Impossible. Yeah. He's basically the same, same character, the same guy. But it's okay because he's awesome at it. Why is that guy not in more things? Even I don't know. even still, I, I mean, I I, I assume he's still working. It's sort of like the president in Clear and this is really becoming Clear and Present Danger. But it's like the president in Clear and Present Danger, right? When I think the president of the United States, I think go get that guy. Yeah, but I've seen him in other things. Donald Moffat is in. Uh, he's in. Uh, uh, boy, snow monster, uh, the thing. Yeah, he's, he's in the thing. Uh, you know, he's he's, he's, he's done other stuff, but I'm just saying that, they, that that guy in Mission Impossible. He's only I literally have only seen him twice. Like, I don't, but uh, anyway, so enough we, about clear and present. Yeah, time. enough about that. So moving it forward. Uh, go, what I love is somehow Gordy prank calls Brant and claims to be the wolf. Is the CIA that incompetent that they can't determine that Arnold right. Schwarzenegger's voice is not El Lobo? Yeah, I, I, I guess because he knows things that he shouldn't know. Like only only the wolf should know. But uh, that that does not excuse that the accent would be a dead giveaway. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, he is supposed to be an American in this movie, right? Yeah. Arnold Arnold yeah. is like. There's no question. No, because there is some like hints of, like they they reference they refer to him as being a German later. Yeah, but, but it's because he's using a German like a fake German. Yeah, name. he's using a fake German name, which I actually gave it credit. It's like wow, for once. They actually acknowledge and have a reason and make him German, which he should be. Right? But it's all fake. Like his real yes. character is American, I think. Yes. So um, he, Gordy, Gordy Brewer is definitely an American. Uh, anyway, I need a ruling from you, a, a pun-related ruling here, because okay. they get out of this hearing, and he says, uh, "I got the line here. I don't know why they call them Senate intelligence hearings. They're all imbeciles." Is I w- that that's a that's a intelligence. I don't know. I I, I didn't count it. I wouldn't count it. I don't think that one counts. It's, it's, I'm just like maybe. <laughs> I was really trying. That's stretching. Okay. Yeah. It's it's. I agree. Yeah. But anyway, so Brant heads down to Columbia. He heads down to Columbia, and I've got that Gordy is doing some homework on Columbia while he's drinking from an American flag, which was <laughs> That's right. a little bit over the top. Yeah, they did really, they really did drape this character in uh, in the American, American flag. American, the American flag. And I, I had one, I wondered. If that actually was another change, because I mean, look, that's a really easy change, right? And I, w- I wondered if that was a post nine eleven change. Meaning they went back and shot it, reshot yeah. everything, or uh, not? Maybe not everything, but something like that. I mean, that was in your face. Him yeah. drinking from the American flag. They could have CGI'd it on there, like they did with yeah. uh, an eraser with uh, uh, Cyrex. Cyrex. Yeah. Cyrez. I think it started as Cyrex, and they had to edit everything to make it Cyrez. Cyrez. Right. So then, uh, after he's doing his homework. Uh, the one fireman buddy that actually has another scene other than initially brings right. uh, brings Ed, and Ed's going to give Gordy some advice. So who is Ed? We don't really get any background. I guess he just is... He, no, he's just a guy with tattoos who uh, he, he knows things. He knows things, but we don't... He spent time in Colombia, but you have no idea how, what he was doing. Was he running drugs? I mean, you don't know. Yeah, this is just one of those things where I guess they needed to have some character give him the ropes so that right. it, it would be plausible that he could, like, you know, find his way. Yeah, exactly. Behind the lines. But this is all just way too vague. I, I did like the whole, like the way they edit this scene where yeah. he's telling them about things and then they're kind of showing, showing it. No, and, I, and like, that's, that's pretty cool. But I just want to know who this guy is. Just a little bit more information. Yeah. You don't get anything on him, but I do like that. Well, it was important that they establish how it's plausible that a LA fireman could get down to Columbia and know how to get effectively behind, you know, enemy lines for right. the ALC. But I do like that the way Andrew Davis took it of getting a little piece uh, of information, some voiceover of him then going through and following through on the advice that he gets. Yeah, so he gets instructions how to get to the, like, the guerrilla-controlled territory. Yes. And, you get, you uh, get some bodies on the way. 
Yeah, they're in a bus and they get stopped by the military, which is this is another one of those scenes where you get the sense that this movie is trying to be sort of even-handed where yeah. I think a lot of movies would have made the Columbia military just yeah, they're they're the good guys, but like no, they stop this bus and they're just like shooting people and Right. Yeah, it's, I mean it's pretty No, I mean surprising. It's, yeah, it it is as you said trying to I guess balance the scales out a little bit to just not make it where it's to you know good good guys versus bad guys black and white that you know this is supposed to be a um more political realistic world and in that there's gray right i mean yeah. there's you know probably blood on both sides hands that's just a question of who has more on their hands i like the fact that it has shades of gray but then it doesn't really stick to it but anyway there's two they they two on, that are already on the road established when you the bus gets stopped Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, there, there, there are two that are already on the road. So I had a question for you to get an official ruling. Does that count if effectively the deaths were off screen? I think gen- generally we haven't been counting them if the deaths occurred before we see them. Okay. Before, but uh, two two passengers in this bus get hit for sure. Yep. So that's that makes it eleven. Uh, and then Gordy says some some girls who like get cornered. He punches out a guy and he knocks him down the hill. I was just gonna say I just had with a big explanation point in my. Uh, uh, my notes, Gordy Punch is what I had. Right. Gordy packs a powerful punch. He does. I mean, all, all those years uh, carrying people out of burning buildings, you know, he's, he's uh, going to use that muscle for, for, for yes. punching. He's actually, Arnold's pretty small in this movie. I don't know if this, this may have been him at his smallest. Like, he's not really, I mean, he's granted he's got a lot, of, he's, he's getting older, but I think today he's bulked up more from, yeah, from, from this point. Like, he's relatively thin. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he's just not playing a character where he needs to be the huge dude, so uh, it makes sense. And I think this, was, this is his last movie except for Terminator 3 before he became governor, so yep. he may have already kind of been mentally Checking retired. Out. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, oh, okay, and then, that's right, he, like, runs down a hill and, like, ends up in a waterfall or a river or whatever. Yeah, so what I had is that this was Andrew Davis. Uh, I have Gordy runs and pulls a Richard Kimball. <laughs> that's right, he does. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... He I really mean, does. Yeah. I was waiting for someone. He did a Peter Pan <laughs> right off this dam, right here. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, that's what this movie really needs is a Tommy Lee Jones. Like, El Lobo isn't cutting it as no. far as, like, an antagonist for Arnold. Like, no. Uh, especially, even, like, in a minute, El Lobo's going to learn that, like, oh, the firefighter is looking for you. He's, kinda, he's coming to get you. And it's like, he's just like, oh, you know, okay. <laughs> he doesn't really do anything or, like, try to hunt them down. Like, this... I would have liked there to have been some sort of a some more more of a you know a direct relationship yeah, yeah. between him and El Lobo. But so how many total do we have then in that sequence? Because I, I I think there's more than two, isn't there? I I, I think the I only have two. Okay. I mean, maybe I was maybe I was checking out also like Arnold, but uh, okay, I, I only saw two. Are there more? Because he punches a couple of guys and like you know there's more there's fisticuffs, but I didn't. Yeah, I thought that the the. Colombian military had some more, but maybe maybe I had it wrong. So we're going to go with your official count. Yeah, like you said earlier, the body count for, the, for a movie like this is not... It's pretty somber. Yeah, so, so. if we miss some, that's fine. So yeah, he pulls uh, the Richard Kimball, as I said, and then I, I've just got it some really bad CGI as he uh, tries to swim against the rapids. Yeah. The only other thing I said is that if this was John Matrix, John Matrix would have been able to defeat the rapids and... S- Swim the opposite way and beat the rapids. Well, see, this scene, with, uh, I didn't make the fugitive connection, although that's a great connection. But the thing, the scene, the thing that this made me think of was Predator, where he gets like, oh, yeah, he goes over a waterfall and all that yeah. stuff. 
That's right before he gets covered in mud and blah blah blah. We haven't we haven't we haven't been there. Predator yet. So yes. I'll, I'll have to save that conversation. But yeah, there's shades of a lot of other movies here. Yes, I, I the only reason I had is because of the the jungle. I just said to my, I was thinking to myself, John Matrix would have had no problem. He just would have swam the opposite way, despite the fact it was roaring rapids. <laughs> right. Well, he would have just grabbed onto a rock and just been like, you know, he would have like pulled himself. Yeah, exactly. he's So jacked. Uh, oh, and this. So this is where we actually meet a Lobo. Like he actually has a scene. It's not just right. Uh, him blowing up a, a consulate. This is this is where I have my note. Where I, now I remember where I know him from. He's Smiley in Training Day. Yes, we've we've, met, we've talked about training, training Day a few times. Yeah, but you're right. He's one of those uh, those gang members. Yes, uh, and and Raymond Cruz is there also. Like there's all he kinds of connections. Yeah, he's one of, of those he guys. Is in training Day. Yes, yeah, he is playing poker. So uh, you've got that. Um, Brant is oh. going to use Gordy as bait. Um, to right. try and um, lure out El Lobo and, uh, and and wipe him out. Yeah, and Lobo, this is where he learns that uh, Gordy's there and he wants to just capture him and ransom him. Yep. It doesn't seem to actually happen. He's got a couple opportunities to do that and he doesn't seem to... He doesn't seem to do it. Do it. But you then, you kind of go back now after this action sequence to more instructions from Ed and... Uh, Gordy needs to find uh, the right pass holder to, to get upriver, to, yeah. to, to keep making his journey. So, yeah, he arrives in Mompos, uh, I guess. Yes. Uh, oh, and this is the, really like the – there's some kind of like incident in the streets. Yeah, I don't know if it? it was a carnival or a festival. Something's going on, and it's a, a very public public gathering, and you've got two, two different groups that are going to try and uh, capture Gordy. The police and the ALC. Yeah, he's not doing a very good job keeping a low profile. No, like but, he, he arrives in the country and immediately everyone knows that he's there and they're all looking for but him. But I mean, it's really, is it really easy for him to keep He's, a, he's a really huge dude, Anglo. Well, not Anglo, but a very huge yeah. white guy. I yeah. mean, it's not going to be very easy for him to be inconspicuous. No, that, that's for sure. Uh, I think he doesn't, uh, Brant say that they, somebody found his ID. Like, yeah, so his passport, that's how Brant knows that he, because Gordy drops his entire backpack. His bag when he runs from the from When the he bus. does the, uh, the Peter Pan right. off, of, uh, off the cliff. And so that's how Brant knows that he's in the country and that he's going to use him as bait. But look, I get, he, he obviously needs his passport to get into the country, but, you know, why didn't he, why did he take all his, like, he shouldn't be carrying ID with him like, once he's trying to get into the gorilla zone. Like, no, it's probably a bad his, idea. Like, get a hotel, leave it there, and, you know, go do your stuff, and a couple weeks later come back, grab your yes. passport, and leave. Uh, it seems strange to me that he's carrying his idea around, but I guess that, that's a good point. I did not have that. Why? They, why he would have his passport? They needed a, some way for Brant to know that he's uh, the only thing I can think of is maybe since he had to make his way through, you know, through Colombia through the back door, is that is his plan once he completes his revenge to just show up at the U.S. embassy, and the only way that he probably could, you know, show up at the U.S. embassy and prove that he was an American citizen, yeah, maybe. I, again, I don't know, but that that's going to be my stretch as it was his plan. I think you're right. He should just probably go back the way he came and right. leave his all of his identification probably back uh, back at a hotel. Yeah, he's trying he's trying to get to the gorilla zone without El Lobo knowing he's there. So right. it's just like he's really he's blown it. Yes. <laughs> he's really blown it. Uh, so you get um, an, an introduction of two characters, uh, two new characters at this carnival or festival. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Um, Selena and Morrow. Yes, Morrow. I think so. Okay. Yeah, uh, and Selena played by Francesca Neri. Yeah, I, an Italian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, there are no Colombians in this movie at all. No. Also filmed in Mexico, so like, For, it's not as bad as McBain, where everything was. I think in the Philippines. Philippines. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> trying to pose as Colombia. At least they were in, you know, not South America, but Central America, getting getting closer. Yeah. Should I know Francesca Neri from any place? Like, is this... I, I don't think so. I think she's done some other stuff, but no, I, she's she's mostly a European actress. Yeah, I think I, I definitely have seen comments on online of people being like, Boy, the the Colombian accents in this movie are terrible. It's like, well, of course, there's no Colombian. There's not not a single like natural born Colombian in this movie. I think the only thing that you might recognize her from she is, and it's around the same time she was in Hannibal. Um, mm, I saw it, but I don't remember. She's the. Well, the I remember one thing about it. Oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> sure I know what it, it is. It's a meal that someone yeah, has. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she is the wife of the chief inspector um, in Italy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. It, it, no it, recollection of that. Yeah, but they, they basically came out around the same time, so she must have been kind of doing American, more American movies around this time. Okay, but yes, there's someone identifies Gordy, and there's an altercation. So I, I've got two bodies here. Yep. One police officer, one gorilla. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's right. It's funny how this movie. I only just watched it a couple of days ago, and I've got my notes here, and I'm, I'm like, okay, two body, who did who got killed? That's it's already the, it's left forgettable. My, it's already I, left my brain. No, I mean that's how we let off with it. Right? It's if it wasn't for the changes because of September 11th, this would be a completely forgettable movie. And it, I mean, it again, already is. It's just it, it, it is, it, but but what you think of with collateral damage, you do remember it because of when it came out, right? But that's the only reason why. What I'm saying is, if if September 11th had never happened, and this movie was just released in 2001, is it's a totally forgettable movie. Yeah, no, that, that, that's for sure. Uh, so, I mean, just, the proof is I'm, I just have no recollection of any of these scenes. <laughs> I have no recollection of that. I'm just senator. Just senator, yeah. I'm just trusting myself. Like, well, I wrote a note saying that this happened, so it, it must, must have happened. happened. Uh, so what does happen after you are right? I have one. It's a good thing I, I, I put a body count as well. Uh, it's one police officer and one gorilla. Uh, and the rest of the gorillas get arrested, and Gordy gets arrested. Yeah, and they lock him up. And this lock him up, and we get the introduction of some comic relief. Yeah, this I remember because John Turturro. What are you doing in this movie, John Turturro? I I don't know. I don't know why he's in it. I don't know what he's doing while he's in it. I mean, this sort of presages his career later, where he's just you know cashing in with the Transformers movies. Yes. Just, you know, I think at a time John Turturro was really thought of as. As a really like well-respected actor, comic, uh, not comic, but character actor. Yeah, and I think still is, I think. But you know, he's he's, he's got to pay the bills too, I yeah, guess, right? He's become a lot more willing to do uh, some trashy action movies. This is his first step into that world. <laughs> his st- first step down that dark path. Yes, exactly. So uh, what I have on this though, it's comic relief all the way from the beginning because he introduces himself, John Armstrong. Public lewdness, which all I thought of was Homer Simpson smiling, <laughs> smiling politely. politely yep. That's funnier than, like, I don't even know if that's supposed to be a joke, but that's funnier than the actual jokes they write for him, where it's like, they're bringing him down to the jail cell, and he's, like, pretending like it's a hotel, or it's like, yeah. oh, please show me to my room, or whatever he's saying. It's like, this is this it, supposed to be funny? It's not funny. It's supposed to be, but it's not. And I, I don't know if I blame Totoro as much as I blame that the writing isn't Good. No. And it's not funny. Yeah, it's very kind of bland. And, it, and it's interesting, too, because it's, I'd say, well, maybe it's just that's not something that Andrew Davis can get, you know, in his kinds of movies. But uh, the, the Fugitive, there's jokes, and I, I think they land pretty well. No, I think The Fugitive is a really well-written yeah. movie. Like, this is not a well-written movie. I, I did look up, because uh, the writers of this, I was like, who are these guys? I'd never heard of them. And I think they'd only done, like, one or two movies before and since. Like, they had a very brief, and with good cause. brief career. Um yeah, and the, oh, and also, uh, so John Turturro's character is Canadian. We learn, which yes, Canadian compared to the all American Gordy. Like, if, if any character should be Canadian, <laughs> Gordy, yes, should be Gordy. 
Uh, yes, he's, I have that he's Canadian and fixes things. I'm like, wow, he's quite a man. Thank you for that information. And he's lewd. He, yes. th- those are his three characteristics that we know about. He, <laughs> and that's what I think of of every Canadian. <laughs> it doesn't really go with the Canadian, like the stereotype of Canadians. No. Like, so this, maybe like, you give him credit that they're breaking that Canadian, you know, nice stereotype. Um, yeah, but, uh, they, they chat for a bit. Yeah, they, they chat in the jail cell for a bit. I don't think any of it really matters. Oh, because Gordy wants his pass. He's like, oh, you have a pass. I need a pass. Yeah, Gordy figures it out because uh, Armstrong tells him you shouldn't even look at those guys. If, if you Basically, if you can't kill them, you shouldn't even make eye contact with them. And that's how Gordy figures out that Armstrong works in the uh, the danger zone. If you, I know it's not called the danger zone, but that's what I call it. Yeah. Um, oh, and then, yeah, briefly we get a scene where Brant learns that, like, oh, a whole bunch of gorillas were been arrested, arrested and yep. oh, they're all in one place. Let's go, like, yeah, so let's round them up or whatever. Sway out, whatever they're going to do. <laughs> so, and then, of course, the gorillas get there first, and there's a jailbreak. I've got, there's a lot of explosions. Yeah, I, I definitely know here saying lots of destruction, not a lot of deaths, although eventually. They suddenly just come in and start shooting. But yep. the opening is just like they're just firing rockets and blowing things up. and it's just very... Pretty much. It's, I, I imagine that the script was written, let's blow some things up. We really haven't had much lately. Yeah. But El Lobo does kind of lead the attack. He's like one of the first ones in. So yes. at the very least, like he's, uh, he's a very hands-on terrorist. Yes. So I've got um, three outside of the prison, including one guy who was... Uh, set on fire through a car as a rocket went through the the, the car. Wait, say that again? What happens? So they, I've got three deaths outside, and okay. one of them, there's like an RPG that goes through the windshield of a car, sets the car on fire, and then one of the police guard or the prison guards gets set on fire, oh. and I have that on the body count. I don't even remember that. So I, I just have a total. I've got 16 total in the scene, but I don't remember. <laughs> Details, I don't no know. No details whatsoever. So wait, he's in the car, and a far, rocket hits no. the car, and he runs out on fire? Is he's not in the car. He's, like, by the car. The rocket hits oh, the car. Yes, I remember this guy. And, yeah. So I've got, I I broke him out by... <laughs> I thought you were saying that he's just a guy sitting no, in a car. And just, or, like, on his lunch break. <laughs> right. He just happens to be, like, sitting nearby. No. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, I do remember him. But I've got 16 totals. So we're up to 29 altogether. Yep. Uh, but, and then there's a scene that just infuriated me. And this is what I was saying about, like, he doesn't really seem that interested in... Actually taking him hostage is what he said. Yeah. He claimed that's what he wants to do. No, he's just like, let him die in, in the fire. Let him burn in hell, I think is what yeah. he says. Yeah. Like, uh, well, wait a minute. What was your plan? It would take you five seconds to like, just grab him and drag him out. And yeah, just do what you said you were going to do. And then also, the guy's a fireman. You know he's a fireman. If anyone is equipped to survive this fire. Right. Because uh, Elias Cody is when he shows up after it's all over, and they're like, oh, the fireman got away. <laughs> the fireman got away from the fire. <laughs> That's one of my favorite deliveries. Yes. Oh, really? The fireman survived the fire? <laughs> Elias Cody is like, that's that's He a does great deliver, deliver that one good. Uh, <laughs> or but, well, but, excuse but, me. But that's, that's exactly the right... He's right. Yes. A Lobo should know. Like, hey, I'm not going to leave this guy alive. Just shoot him if you want to kill him. Don't let him burn in hell. Don't leave a bomb to destroy a guy who's a bomb squad, right? That's right. Uh, so Gordy uh, is kind of, you know, he's, he's showing that Gordy's got a, a, a nasty side to him. Yeah. That uh, he's willing to hold Armstrong hostage for his pass. Yeah, I, I don't know if you got it, but I've got that the air is going to be 450 degrees. Or do you have, is this one of yours that you want to do? I do, I do kind of want to play this clip. Okay. That, I, I found these to be, who, whoever wrote this. <laughs> it's, yeah, this is another example of just the, the writing in this movie. It, it is not good. Here we go. Get me out of here! Get me out of here! 
Yeah, he's so specific in a lot of these. Yes. Like, <laughs> socks will ignite. <laughs> Let's play This Is Your Life. I want to pass. My pass? It's my livelihood. Let me die here. I thought we were friends. Come on, man. That makes no sense. Why is he friends? Come on. You let me die here. No. That's the last thing that's going to happen to you. First, the air is going to heat up in here to 451 degrees. 451. Yeah. will explode like a Roman candle. Then your socks will ignite. Then your hair and your fingernails will melt. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I love the way he says melt. And I, you know what? Yeah. That is really bad of me. I know it was his accent that I had to know, but how could I not know Fahrenheit 451? I mean, that is clearly oh. what they went for with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I have in my notes, I will say that it was probably because of Arnold's accent that I got 450 degrees, and I didn't hear 451, but Fahrenheit 451. Well, I have a note just being like, that's way too specific a number. But yeah, Fahrenheit, I did not make that connection. Yep. But uh, I don't remember. Uh, but I'm he not, has, yeah, I mean, you explode like a Roman candle. I mean, it's just comical dialogue to it me. It is. Well, this, the way he delivers this, uh, it, it does kind of... Yeah, the way he delivers it is, it almost seems like Mr. Freeze's uh, yes. brother, Mr. Melt, or something. <laughs> he's, he's, Inferno, he's, Mr. Inferno. Yeah, exactly. It's something like that. Where it's like he's he's delivering it like he like a bat- Batman villain. Yes. Just, you know, Batman, your hair will melt. You know, it's like yeah, it's like, like a he, Roman candle. He dusted off his Mr. Freeze. You're right. Let me let me dust this off and do it for the opposite side. His with fire. Per- his performance is basically the same as in yeah. that movie. At least at least for this one scene. Uh, so from there, he, he does eventually do the, the right thing and, and freeze Armstrong. He gets Armstrong's pass. Yeah. As you already alluded to, Brant and company show up and probably one of the best lines is that the firemen escaped the fire. Um, <laughs> I do like, uh, we, we don't, it's not subtitled, but some, there's someone gives like a report in Spanish and I like that they're referring to, to him as El Gringo Grande. Yes. I, that's the one piece of Spanish I picked up. It's like, yep. <laughs> that's, that's appropriate. Uh, and so Armstrong is retired, and what I, I have, I don't know if you've got this, but somewhere, somehow, Gordy has found McBain's hat. Yeah, I do like this hat, this Panama hat. Is it the same? It's a little, I don't know if it's, it's exactly bit. the same, but it's very similar, and since we had just, you know, yeah. not that long ago done McBain, I said, fantastic, Yeah, I Gordy just, is wearing McBain's hat. I mean, it's, it's pretty similar, right? I, I, my note just says, Panama hat, love it. <laughs> So you've got him going down the river. I I noted another four in in the river, but again, that these are off off screen kind of bodies. So if we've established that we're not counting those, yeah, then we there, don't count them. There was some kind of uh, some uh, the gorillas had gone through there and effectively, you know, killed some of the the locals. Yeah, I didn't count these because we didn't see it happen, or you know, it was happened before we got here. So okay. Um, yeah, we should probably lock down those rules one way or another, but this is not the, the movie to do it on. No. So he makes his way up the river, and I've got enter more comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever a positive thing. I am not a John Leguizamo fan. I don't mind him, but I, I, it's hard for me to tell whether we're supposed to like him or hate him. Because I think if we're, we're not supposed to like him, I don't no, think. No, he's a drug dealer, but he's like an seemingly an affable drug dealer. That's the thing. I can't tell if this movie wants us to kind of like, oh, you know, some, some drug dealers are nice. Are okay. Are like, I don't know if we're supposed to find him charming or if he's just supposed to, we're supposed to roll our eyes at him. Assuming that I mean, everyone has listened to all of our podcasts, what, you know what would make this a lot better is if they had got Luis Guzman to play the drug dealer that he's playing in McBain. I think I would like that. Yeah, oh yeah. 
and fits this movie probably even more than he fit in McBain. Yeah, I wouldn't have mind that. I minded so. that. But I, I didn't mind John Leguizamo. I mean, I was rolling my eyes at him, but I think we're supposed to. Uh, were you rolling your eyes at his rap? Yes. Well, that's the part where I was just like, what? What is this rap? It's just like it's. Oh, it, it's it's the worst. It's it, terrible. It, I didn't know if this was going to be the one of the ones that you were going to have for a clip that you wanted to we play. We can find it if we want. No, I, I, the only reason is because of it. It it really kind of dates the movie that that I I, I I don't see anybody writing in somebody doing a rap. Well, but also it dates. It doesn't even date. This movie came out in two thousand two, but his rap is like from like the late eighties. He yes. sounds like uh, KRS One or something. Yeah, I, I, just Thriller, Manila, I'm a killer. <laughs> I like vanilla. I don't know what he's doing. I'm it's, not it's, sure why they made the choice, and it doesn't fit the tone of the movie at all. But I don't, I don't think he's supposed to be good. Like I think he, Arnold, no. Arnold's kind of rolling his eyes. Out. Yeah, like, no, oh, this guy. It's supposed he's... to be. Yeah, it's, I think it's supposed to be comic relief. But the problem is, it's not funny, and it just doesn't fit with the tone of the movie. Yeah, I didn't mind it as much as you, but he, he definitely, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not any kind of John Leguizamo fan, but whatever he's. He's pretty typical of what this movie's doing, I feel like. Yeah, ultimately what his character Felix does is he goes and tells some jokes and gets uh, Arnold, who now is, yes, as we noted earlier, is using his German yeah, he's accent. Per- he's posing as the German Heinrich Beckmann. Which Perfect! I like. I really like that name. He should have yeah. actually played a real char- a character actually called Heinrich I was going to say, I wish he would, at some point in his career, played a full movie as a Heinrich. I think he's perfect. Yeah. So Gordy gets through. Um, Before he gets through, I have to stop you here because okay. we have, I think, our one pun of this movie. Okay. Where, you know, he's showed up to our place, John Turturro, and the one, the guard doesn't trust him. Yes. And he goes like, fine, if you don't need my help, I'll just turn around and leave. And uh, John Leguizamo says, oh, come on, don't be such a sour crowd. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot about it. Absolutely, that one counts. That one has to count. Yes. Like, that's Put it on the board. Yeah, so there's our one pun, I think. So he gets him through, and I don't know what Gordy was thinking that... Uh, this operation was going to be, but it, it seems like he's surprised that it's a drug operation, which is doesn't make sense to me. Is he? Well, he's he's pretending to be surprised. I think, right? Is ah. he's he's posing as like a, just a, I think I think his his cover story is he's just a German in Colombia trying to get but some. He just wants work. Wants work and some walking around money. Yeah, I he's, guess. he's oh, I'm shocked to learn that <laughs> he can't believe that these guys in the middle, like in the a middle sec- of a secret like <laughs> base in Colombia, you're making cocaine. I cannot believe it. How can this be? <laughs> but so then, the I think the bigger issue is that it sets up just such a terrible piece of dialogue about Silicon Valley geeks emailing. It yeah, I don't off. know what the hell that was. It's uh, but uh, to me, it, wait, wait, I have the quote here exactly. It's like uh, here's the here's the quote. I can't crank this stuff out fast enough. These Silicon Valley geeks must be emailing it to each other. He doesn't Which, say first silicone. Of, he says does silicone. He? Oh my! I missed that. Uh, again, it's one of those things. Like, is John Leguizamo just not know the difference between silicon and silicone? But not even just him. How can not the people in editing? And I, how can they allow him to deliver that line that way? But I don't know if it was a del- deliberate joke. Like, wow, what a dumbass this guy is. This character. Like, did the writers oh, write silicone? Did the writers write silicone? Did the writers not know the difference? Well, you know, did what, John though? Leguizamo not know? Did no, he, did but he... maybe maybe it's supposed to be the character doesn't know the difference. But that's okay. But regardless of silicon, silicone. Yeah, these geeks are emailing the stuff to each other. What does that mean? What is I, he even trying to say? It's it's I, like it's, it's the most nonsensical. No, but and to me though, that's what I'm thinking. It it feels like it's it. It's the, a, the net. It's the, it's starred the girl with the bus. It feels like it's da- it dating. Like oh yeah, this was around the time when email would have been a buzzword that yeah, we should insert into the movie. 2002 email should not be like a buzzword anymore. I don't think it should be, but I feel like it the, is. 
dating the movie that it's just after when it should have been a buzzword. But regardless, it's like it feels like a joke written by like an alien who like is studying and doesn't quite understand. It basically like those musicians must be guitaring it to each other. It's like that's that makes as much sense as yeah. those Silicon those Valley are emailing it to each other, you know. Uh, yeah, so what you... Well, sorry, I got to back up because I have another note where he's, he's talking about... Uh, he gives his backstory, John Leguizamo. This is where he's, they're in the truck and he's telling him he's, he wants to be a rapper. And he goes, oh yeah, I've been... I, he's, he's saying he's, he grew up in America and he's lived most of his life in America. He goes, yeah, I've been in New York, Chicago, Miami. Oh, I missed that too. Chicago? I thought he said Chicago. Maybe, no? maybe he said it real quick. I thought he said Cago, like it's some kind of like a short. Like who says Cago? Nobody does. Nobody. Having grown up here my entire life, nobody says that. I, I think he says Cago. Actually, in fact, I think I had a, I went back and turned, turned the on subtitles the on and it said captioning. It said Cago. Well, if so, that's terrible. I, it's really terrible. Yes, nobody would ever call it that. Uh, yeah. so, so that would be the equivalent of from Arrested Development when some I, I, maybe it's George Michael or Jobs that calls it the OC and Michael <laughs> yeah, Blue says don't, don't call it that that's what people would say if somebody called Cago or Chicago Cago I, around here I think if you were on the streets of Chicago and you're like here we are in Cago like you'd get punched in the face uh, yes and it would be just by a random stranger yes no and they would say and the people around you would not do anything would say and with good cause so what we then have is after um, the rap career is established, uh, Gordy takes his shirt off, and we get the establishment of where Arnold's muscles are at, and Heinrich starts pretending to fix things. He, he's so not subtle about it. No. He's, just, he's just like giving like glances around. Like, I, he looks, he looks, looks like suspicious. He's up to something. Yes, it looks like he's up to something. <laughs> he is immediately up to something, and nobody yes. stops. He's, he's, he's new to this camp. He, there new be... to a camp that is manufacturing Cocaine. drugs. Yeah. They're making cocaine. Like You'd think he'd be like, guarded at all times. Like, we don't know who you are. Like, yes. <laughs> are two, two white rifles pointed at you at all times. But, I just uh, took it that maybe Felix is too focused on his rap career that he's not running a tight ship around there. No, clearly, he obviously isn't. Yeah, and then so you get a little bit. Gordy sneaks around. They establish he's stolen a grenade and he's made some bombs. And then troubles troubles are brewing. Right. Well, this is, we go back to El Lobo, and he's uh, talking to the guy who let yes uh, Gordy through. Yes. He's like, sorry, oh, I let, missed that. Yeah, you let this guy through, and he's you know he basically learns that uh, Gordy's in like his controlled territory or whatever. And the way he punishes this guy. I forgot about this scene. Like, I, I, I only watched this movie for the first time like a year ago. I totally forgot the scene exists. This is bonkers. This scene. It's bonkers, and it was um, to me the the I somehow skipped. O- I have it in my notes, and I I skipped over it. But I it to me it was very eraser that they're going to have giant crocodiles for no apparent reason. And right. this is just yeah, we're going to have a snake. What? Why? Doesn't fit the tone of this movie at all. No, yeah, it feels like it feels like a thing like a Bond villain would do, like yes. the piranha in the pool or whatever, right. like, or a shark with laser beams on its head. <laughs> right. It doesn't fit the tone of this movie, but also like the idea of like his the way he kills this guy is he just has a snake crawl down his throat. Like first of all, it's gross. Second right. of all, a snake's not going to crawl down your throat, is it? I don't think so. I don't think any animal like you have to be a pretty dumb animal. Just be like, I'm just going to crawl right down this other creature's throat. Right, it won't eat me. <laughs> You know, this, this is like millions of years of evolution. Like just creatures thrown. running away from other uh, animals' throats, no. uh, running away, not wanting to be eaten. Yeah, I can't imagine that a snake would actually do this. Uh, 
Yeah, and that, like this weird like apparatus he has a whole. Like, it made me wonder if El Lobo was a dentist in his oh, fire. Oh, he beat me to it. That's <laughs> what I was wondering if El Lobo had you know shared some time with Corbin Burnson as the dentist. That, <laughs> I don't know if it's a really like B. I think I saw it. horror movie. I think I saw it. when I was really young. Yeah, like, like 12, so th- twelve or thirteen. That's what I had. Is I, I wondered if he if he trained with Corbin Burnson as the dentist. Well, my my note was uh, it looks like something that Steve Martin had in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, like, that, that's a good one too. <laughs> that, that was my yes. connection I made. Uh, so yeah, then you go back after El Lobo gets the information he needs. You go back, and Gordy is, uh, f- you know, he's he's fully ready. He's got all his materials put together. Yeah, well, uh, he's ready, and then El Lobo's men show up because they Looking know he's for there. Him. And uh, John Leguizamo has a line. I don't remember that character's name, so we're just gonna have to keep calling him. Oh, it's, it's Felix, I think Hernandez. Oh, yeah, Felix is right. Um, he has a line saying like oh we're looking for the German and he goes like oh yeah I got him working hard you know these Germans they're like cyborgs seriously <laughs> is that supposed to be a ter- joke about the Terminator I, I thought so and it it, it it lands with a thud yeah, did John Leguizamo you know did he but it's not just him I don't, no I don't think it was him I'm sure that I bet you that's written in you don't think he ad-libbed that, that I, I, I felt like he's just like I'll get a Terminator joke in here <laughs> Yeah, but maybe maybe that's actually written in. Like either way, it's yeah. Your the thud is right. Uh, and so what I didn't understand about this is that Gordy's first method of attack is like a Molotov cocktail. Was he always planning to burn this place down? I don't understand what his plan was. I think I think so. I think that was his plan. He's he's like. Because he puts like uh, like I don't know gasoline in a light bulb or something. So that yeah, when you but, turn on the light bulb, it'll explode. But and... did he? I guess what I didn't have established is is El Lobo supposed to be coming and checking this place out? Is that? Otherwise, I don't understand why he's burning this drug lab down. What's the difference? Oh, I see what you're saying. Like he's at his his target is El Lobo. So yeah. So why he is he, about, what yeah. does he care about this drug other than maybe if it's an operation that pays El Lobo? Does he feel like if he destroys it, he'll lure him out? I just. I didn't understand why his plan was to burn this place down. That's a good point. I didn't actually think about that. Like, yeah, that's 100 percent true. How does this get him closer to El Lobo burning this place down? Don't know, but maybe he just wanted it's, it. It works itself out in the end, right? It's collateral damage. It, it's more collateral damage. Well, maybe it's like a secondary objective. Like, yeah, I'll burn down as many drug labs as I can. I mean, it's while, it, while, it's, while, I'm, while I'm here. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, he's certainly helping the CIA and the the drug enforcement agency by burning it down. But I just didn't understand his motivation. Yeah. But ultimately what you get is you get a rap career that is cut short because Felix is no more. Felix gets shot. He's number 32. I forgot the yeah. snake guy's 31. I think there was a guy I missed earlier. But yeah, through. I don't think he survives that. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, he so John Leguizamo gets shot. Meanwhile, like the last thing he sees is, is Gordy hanging underneath that truck. I, I wondered, do you think, you think Gordy was doing some pull-ups while, while, they, while in transit or you think he just held himself he doesn't have a lot Stand of, still. He doesn't have a lot of clearance under there. I don't, I, think, he's got, right. I don't think he's got room to do. I pull-ups. wanted to think. I like to think that he, he he pumped out a few few pull-ups to get himself ready to go. So Gordy winds up, yeah, um, on the truck, sneaking into the rebel base, and I've got that he's uh, pulling a little MacGyver, and it's a good thing he had a rubber band with him. I'm not sure where he got this rubber band, by the way. Yeah, who knows? But it's probably just in that lab. Like the he's he's working on that. Uh, he's finding paper clips and chewing gum. He's been hired to fix this generator or whatever. Like they've, they've I'm sure they've got supplies somewhere. A missile, a junk drawer. He probably just goes to one of those guys. Like, can you tell me where I can find some rubber bands? Yes, please. <laughs> you know, they gotta, where's your junk drawer, please? <laughs> right. Like, do you have a ball of rubber bands someplace? <laughs> uh, so 
So yes, you got the uh, Gordy has set it up where the there's to, it's to be yet another explosion and fire, but with a grenade and trying to assassinate El Lobo. Yeah, I think this is pretty clever. Like the yeah. idea of like it's a rubber band. He like put some acid acetone, or something. On, yeah, it's acetone. acetone. Yeah, to eat away at the rubber band. Yeah, I think that's, that's it's like a delayed fuse. Pretty clever fuse. Yeah, um, yeah, that is very MacGyver. Uh, oh right, and then this, so this this is, but I guess that was his plan. Because it, it turns out the war, he, he he waits for someone to show up who he knows is going to go back to El Lobo. Yeah. Oh. He, he, he hides you know under what? the truck. So, you know. Maybe. I guess that does make, assuming that El Lobo, for whatever reason, would send people to check on that lab. Right. Maybe he thinks he'll, he'll blow up the lab. Someone will come from El, El Lobo will send somebody to investigate. He'll follow them back to El Lobo or whatever. Maybe. But because yeah, this is he's now he's now in El Lobo's like yeah. mansion. That's what I said. I mean, look, it's accomplished its task. I other than. Felix paying taxes, it makes sense that he's paying the rebels. So, yeah, I guess you could see it, but I do think it's a little bit of a stretch. If you're just watching it and not doing a podcast and really trying to put together what the motivation is, yeah. it just didn't make a whole lot of sense uh, initially. It, but, makes, it makes sense enough. Like. So, Cody makes his way out in the street, and uh, he, he, has a, he has a flashback. Right. So, uh, what's her name? Selena and, Selena. and her, her adopted son are yes. in the street. Yes. And he, sees, he realizes that they're going to get caught in the blast. Yes. Which, the geography doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because he seems a lot closer to the blast than, than, she, does. than she does. Yeah. I don't know. Like When the thing actually goes off, wherever he grabs them and like tackles them, he doesn't, doesn't seem, seem like, like he's anywhere way near. far away. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's, I mean, it, it makes sense from like a, a writing point of view. It's a nice moment because it's just like, oh, he's, he's realizing, you know, he doesn't want to become the same thing. The same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the movie does a terrible job selling it. Like I, didn't, I think they would have been fine. The distance does not seem plausible. No, I also love because he starts shouting. He's going like, "Look out! Look out!" And and El Lobo, the the greatest instincts. <laughs> he guy. does spring up. I mean, just and is running as fast as he can. Is he psychic? Is he like Professor X? It's like someone's shouting. I better dive I out the window. Dive out the window and run towards the shouting person. Right? Yeah, it's true. He does run towards him. Yeah, I mean. How many false alarms do you think does, does this guy have? Like, every, time just, <laughs> every time somebody's yelling because like, they're upset at their kids or whatever. Yeah, anytime there's any kind of a ruckus, he's just like, it's, the explosion's there's, coming. There's a doings of transpiring. Right. I've got to run to it, toward it. Just imagine that just the number of times he has to like sheepishly like, stand up in the street like, I thought it was another bomb. I, they got me again. It was just somebody yelling at their kid. <laughs> you mark my words. One of these days. One of these times I'm going to be right. <laughs> So six of his men I have get uh, taken out in the fire. That's exactly what I have. Right. I paused it, went back, paused it, went back. Yep, puts us at 38. So, and then Gordy gets taken prisoner. Yeah, and... So he finally get, he finally accomplishes his mission of taking him prisoner. Yeah, but he doesn't say anything about... He doesn't have a ransom note ready. I don't, it doesn't seem like he has any real plan. Well, I guess he does. We'll learn, learn later. He does have plans for Gordy that are a little more elaborate than just a uh, yes. ransoming, ransoming him off. But, but so. it seems like for the... The first time you see the movie, they should play that through and at least have something go somewhere with the ransom. Yeah, there should you can be, always ask for it, even if you're not going to get it, right? Yeah, there should have been a scene of El Lobo saying, "We have a yeah. captive, it's the firefighter, and, right?" And Just giving another, another hand slap, another one of those videos. Uh, so you you get a little bit of dialogue between El Lobo and Gordy um, while he's captive, and that's after Selena's taking care of him a little bit. Yeah, it's a really good scene. I don't know. I, I I thought about playing a clip where we're running a little long, so I'm not going to play it. But like, 
uh, I do like the scene. Like, I think this is the best, like, legitimately the best scene in the movie. Like, the, the talk that Gordy and El Lobo have. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's it's one of those things that does kind of set up the premise where it's like, you know, El Lobo's position is like, you're just like me. Like, you're no different. You're no different. No, and, and he's like, no, I'm only going to kill you. Yes. That's, that's the difference. So what I, I had in it is, I, I think that maybe this line is some of either they, I don't know if they did it for this scene, and since it's the best scene in the movie, maybe they did, but that... Gordy had a face when he saw him first that saved lives, and now you know his face is different. Yeah. That's why I wondered if they made him a fireman. Is is for this kind of scene in, in the you know kind of the big yeah could be dramatic uh, scene. Yeah. But what I, I had is is a joke. Is does does he now have Arnold face? Is that is actually <laughs> what I had? That's well. I think Arnold face is someone that kills yes. Arnold, Arnold. Arnold traditional Arnold face is not someone who saves lives. He's no. someone who takes lives. He takes lives <laughs> by many, the bunches. Many, yeah, many many lives. So you uh, you then get a, a fist fight breaks out. Gordy really can handle himself. I, I like uh, before the fist fight starts. I like his El Lobo when he says. I'm only going to kill you. And then uh, El Lobo kind of gives him like a weird like knuckle sandwich. He's just like, why you? Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's like an uncle would do or something. Yes. And then the, the fisticuffs break out and Gordy does a lot of damage. He does, but he doesn't really. This is the part of the of a traditional Arnold movie where he would have busted out and yes. started. Really, really, the rampage would have begun. But he but got it, some because he got an ear. He got some. Yeah, he got some shots and he got an ear. He got uh, he, he uh, got a shot in on El Lobo's uh, nuts. Yeah, yes, he, he is not beneath a cheap cheap shot. No, that's for sure. But uh, they they eventually overpower him. Yeah, well, it, there's three of them, right? So they they give uh, give a tip of the cap to Arnold, a little bit of Arnold, but make a little it, bit. Make it still more plausible that three on one. If it's not John Matrix, you're not you're not yeah. getting out of there. But it's it's this movie is too realistic for him to like right. this as an opportunity to break out. It's like no, no. in a real situation, you you would just get they beat the crap out of you. Yeah. And, yeah. So then you've got Selena, a scene for Selena, and uh, I'll just say El Lobo because I I keep forgetting Claudio. Claudio. So Selena and Claudio arguing clearly about Gordy. Uh. Do you actually see? It's just like off in the distance, right? It's in the distance. You don't get the dialogue, but it's clear what they're arguing about. I'm trying to remember now because once you know what happens at the end, is that just for Gordy's benefit? Is Gordy watching on? I I think so. Okay, they're they're playing up. They're trying. They're trying to set up her her betraying. Yes. They need to make Gordy believe. Make Gordy believe. Should we just we we should just spoil the end of the movie because yeah, yeah. she's really a lobo, right? Yeah. I guess so. Well, I th- she she's certainly in on she's uh, she is she's with, in on it, but I think husband. no, but I think she's El Lobo. She was El Lobo the whole time. Yeah, because that's the reason they make the connection of you know Gordy figures it all out from the the slap. I guess yeah, I guess that's true. She and was that she's Lobo. the one that has the phone. So I, I mean, I think ultimately she's El Lobo. Okay. So I, I, yeah, now that you mention it, and that's why I have her down as Mrs. Wolf actually in my in my notes instead of uh, Selena. Uh, yeah, because in my mind it was just oh she's. Her husband is a Lobo, and she's with him. But yeah, no, now that you mentioned, yeah, she, she's been behind. She's the mastermind. I think she's the it. mastermind behind it all. Yeah. So I think right. it's to lure the audience in, you know, for kind of the Kaiser Soze, which well, right, doesn't land very well if you ask me. Of the the actual reveal of her. Yeah, we should save that conversation until we get yeah. there. But it's like I've got a lot to say about that twist. Okay, <laughs> so we'll save it. But so all right, so you've got that establishing. I think both for the audience and for Gordy, and then you cut to Brant planning a I have in quotes rescue mission, but. Yeah. I, it's it's kind of incidental. Well, 
Yeah, if he survives, okay. But when you see the damage that they do, I'm not sure they ever plan on rescuing well, him. Well, I think once once he's been quote unquote rescued, I think Gordy even says like, "You just use me as your justification." Yeah. Like it gave him po- like political cover to say like, "Hey, there was a captured American. Yeah. We have the right to go rescue them." But really, he never cared about Gordy. He just no. wanted to blow up a, a yeah so the base once he found it. Yeah. So you you do get here before that. Probably shouldn't completely ignore it. You get that uh, Selena tells about the uh, losing of her daughter, and that's really what the yeah their their main driving. Um, you know, uh, her husband's is what she claims at this point, uh, driving force of, of why, you know, he has so much rage. So, okay, so you're, if you're saying that she is El Lobo, so do you think all this story is completely made up, or is this legit? Like, does no, this think, actually happen? I think it actually happened and it's true, but she's acting and playing for him right. that she believes just as deeply as her husband does. Right, right. Okay. But she's trying to befriend Gordy because she's got greater plans for him. Yeah. Uh, so the cho- the choppers come in, um, do a ton of damage, but of course, just in the nick of time, Selena has, is escaping with Gordy. Yeah, they, their timing is impeccable because uh, these these helicopters come in, and uh, I, mean, I guess it's proof that Brant doesn't actually care about Gordy because no, it, they blow up every single everything. building they see. There is no, you know, there is no <laughs> on the ground contact seals or anything. No, <laughs> trying to establish where is the American. No, they would have had a hard time after the fact justifying that that was a rescue mission. It's like yeah. rescue mission. Look at these tactics yes. here, blowing up everything. everything in sight. You know, they would be like, "Whoops, we blew him up." Did, did you happen to notice too? I really liked uh, Elias Cody's. He just, he just has a fist pump to no one. Yeah. Did you? I just I I laughed at him. I'm like, I don't understand what that is, but I like it. He just fist pumps for no reason. He likes his job. That guy. He's yes. he's enjoying himself. Like he's very uh, he's very like he enjoys the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah, he's, he's very he's much that so. kind of a guy. So there's there's a lot of bodies here. I don't know if you've got them all. Uh, yeah, I've got one in one shot alone. Eight guys get cut apart by a chain gun. Yep, uh, and then four guys in a bunker get hit with a rocket. Yep, uh, and then they all. That's when the commandos drop down, and, like hit the ground. And Elias Cotita says, "Keep firing, kill them all." It's like, boy, they're really. Uh, uh, that's the thing is like he was clearly supposed to be much more villainous because in some scenes like this scene, he's just like, "Wow, this guy's a real bastard." Yeah, he's bloodthirsty. But then in this one. Like, it's, it's totally dropped by the end. Uh, and then someone throws a grenade and kills two more guys. Yep. Uh, so that's 50. We're, uh, that it's pretty 50. high. I mean, for the movie, not for this scene. This yeah. scene is like 14 or something. But yeah. No, what I'm saying, it's, it's pretty high. Yeah, no, it's, they're not, this movie's got some bodies for sure. Um, so you, uh, I've got then, you got another, more, more another at fighting action sequence with Gordy. And, uh, in a minefield. Go- yeah, in a minefield. And uh, Arnold, it's borderline whether or not these guys are good guys. Right, but Arnold kills a good guy. I no, mean, they, it's borderline. It's definitely gray whether these guys really are good because they seem very bloodthirsty. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, but this Gordy movie, kills an American. Yeah, or at least an operative for the CIA. Yeah. I mean, maybe they hired some. Yeah, some you're people, right. But like, yeah, 100. percent Like this, this is one of those. I mean, this scene in, in its totality, like from the point when, like you know, uh, Selena rescues Gordy to the 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 CIA choppers blowing everything up, like. It's all shades of gray. Like yeah, this it's, scene, it's dirty. I mean, yeah, but uh, like messy. I guess is what I should say. Yeah, but there are. I don't know. Just by the end of this movie, it doesn't really feel like that's the message. It's hard to say. It's it's hard to say what kind of because the, the position of this movie, just like the point of view of this movie, is so muddied by the time that it came out and all that. It's right. just hard to even say what kind of point of view it's trying to take. Uh, 
Yeah, because by the end, it's just like it's. By the end of the movie, it seems like this is the the movie is basically saying, you know, hey, these, the 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 terrorists were terrorists and they were the bad guys and everything. Everybody else is a good guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Elias Codius isn't really judged for his actions. No, his, not at all. So, so you then get um, it. Gordy is rescued, uh, but Brant now learns that victory has been fleeting because the wolf is already back in the United States. He didn't accomplish his mission. Here's my question. Why would Brant trust Gordy, but certainly why would Brant trust Selena? With, basically, Gordy just says, like, oh, he's planning an attack in D.C. He just takes that on like Faith value. Faith. I mean, it's, it turns out to be true, but it's just like... I is don't this, know. Is this reliable information, really? Reliable information, and and here's the, here's the so that's a good point. I don't understand Gordy's negotiating tactic of she has to come back because she's the only one that can identify him. Right. Why can't Gordy? Gordy was yeah. captive. You had a fist fight with El Lobo. He literally like, identified him at the beginning of the movie, right? Didn't he? Like yes, he, they didn't have a photo of El Lobo or whatever, but like he no, he, but he's yeah, he said the the policeman i've seen him it makes none of it makes any sense why brant wouldn't want to be scouring everywhere in columbia not believing that there was going to be attack and then why they would need to bring his wife to the united states yeah he's trade. he's he's this negotiation is for third-hand information right like uh what's the what's the guy's real name the the the, lobo but not really a lobo uh cliff curtis i think Okay, no, not, oh, not, oh, not the uh, actor, the, the character. Not Marco. Uh, Claudio. 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 Yes. So Claudio, so the story is that Claudio told Selena, Selena told Gordy, Gordy is telling Brandt. It's Brandt's this, buying it hook, and line, he's just and like, sinker. Oh, of course, this must be 100% true information. It's like somebody along the line could be trying to mislead somebody. The it's, old telephone game. He's, a, he's not a very good, he's supposed to be an intelligence, but it just, he just accepts this on blind faith. Um, I had a point about that also. I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't have been that important. All right. Well, so if it's not that important, the uh, I've got that Miss, Mrs. Wolf goes to Washington. That's maybe a, <laughs> a, a new movie title for me. If okay. this was more of a comedy. Okay. So she she heads to Washington, and you get another another broadcast message via the news that uh, the wolf is uh, a bomb is being placed in Washington. Yeah, and he, he shows up uh, with his new haircut. Yes. And, and a suitcase, and a he, briefcase. Briefcase. He's, he's cleaned up a little bit. He went and got the uh, the kind of business mullet he got rid of, and he's a little cleaned up with, with uh, a, yeah. a briefcase and, and a suit. Yeah. It should have been our first clue that he didn't actually have a bomb, because he, he comes in through like through the airport and through customs and all that with right. that briefcase. It's like, we should have known he didn't actually have a bomb. But Yeah. Eh, I also felt like this dates the movie a little bit too. I'm like briefcase, right? Briefcase case. Yeah. <laughs> what? Who needs that kind of a status symbol? Like a suede briefcase case? It does look like uh, the, the briefcase from Twins, like the same. It thing. does. The IRS maybe briefcase. maybe yeah, it's beetroot. Maybe beetroot had that for the money. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. It was, it's just empty, right? It doesn't have any, any kind of. Like, Ultimately, yeah, it doesn't wind up having anything in it. Yeah. I couldn't remember was like a gag or like. He doesn't like leave like a mocking thing in there. No, it's it's not like the Joker or something yeah. where, because uh, it is more of a serious movie. So you've got then we're back at um, it's not the FBI headquarters. I don't remember. I think it's the State Department actually. Uh, the uh, Dulles Annex, I think, in the State Department. The title, it? yeah. The, the title says Dulles State Department Annex, Washington D.C. So, so this is where I had that. This is definitely where 
things would have changed. It would not be the State Department, and it right. wouldn't be the Secretary of State. It would be Homeland Security. Yeah. But what I do have with a big exclamation point is, it's Jane Lynch. <laughs> totally, that's another one. Like, Tuco Salamanca did not remember at all that Jane yeah. Lynch was in this movie. Ten years before she was like even remotely famous. Like, yep. How could you know she's in this movie? Because who was she in 2002? Nobody. Uh, yeah, she wound up, it wasn't that many years after she did 40-Year-Old Virgin, so I mean, it's... I guess that's true. What was that, 2006, 2007? Yeah, somewhere in there. So I mean, this was early, yeah. but it, you know, she she certainly wasn't a star yet, but this this was, what had to be one of her first bigger movies. Yeah, she I mean, she's not, she only has a couple, she's basically just some, like, FBI uh, yeah. analyst or something. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to identify... Well, oh. I, think, I think the reason why Selena's there is it's not to, to identify him, it's to identify his target. The target, right? yeah. Because they're oh, showing her pictures of buildings and stuff. Yes, so that's right. So that is what they claim down in Columbia, that she can, she can identify the target. You're right. I'm, it was my mistake. And then It's uh, a very forgettable movie. Let's just keep <laughs> reiterating that. Well, this is, there was an exchange that I will not forget because it's so stupid where, between uh, Gordy and Brandt where, where Brandt goes, oh. he goes, ah, the fireman and the refugee. But, Sounds like a TV show. <laughs> First of all, no, it doesn't. And then he goes, mm, yeah, and you could pay the asshole. Yeah. All, all of it, it was like a bad attempt at a joke. For some reason, the only thing I thought of is that, no, it doesn't sound like a TV show. Maybe a movie like The Falcon and the Snowman or something. Smokey but, and the Bandit. Or Smokey and the Bandit, but it does not sound like a TV show. No. What, what, what is that show? I don't know. <laughs> that fireman? would not have made our pitches that we were giving in a previous episode. No, The Fireman and the Refugee? Like, I don't I, what, what is the refugee do? I mean, is I it like know. Perfect Strangers? What is this? Jake and the Fat Man. Jake and the yeah, but Peter Brandt. <laughs> stick with the FBI or with the CIA. Yeah, you do not have a future in Hollywood. Yeah, it's such a weird exchange. It's the worst banter. Uh, one of the worst exchanges I've ever seen. It in is, a movie and it, it feels like it was added to to soften up Brandt a little bit, and almost like it might have been something that they added post nine eleven. You think so? I I think it could be. This is supposed to, we're supposed to think he's really funny here. Like, I, I, I think charming. Right? I think he, you're, they're trying to make him more likable. Yes, but he, uh, but uh, Arnold calls him an asshole. He does, but he he laughs at it and he thinks that it's you know. He, oh, you think this is supposed to be they're like ribbing each other? Yeah, like, we're buddies now. Absolutely. Oh, I think the exact opposite. I think that we're supposed to really dislike Brant here. Like he's he's saying like you're a bad guy, Brant. Like I, I think that was probably the original intent. Maybe 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 that's what happens. Maybe they. It started the way I was taking it, and they went like, "We need to morph this. We need to like." Yeah, that's what I think. Is they tried to soften him. Yeah, and try to recontextualize it to them just being like buddies, buddies, and he's more likable. Exactly, it could be. Uh, so you've got Gene Lynch. They're going through and eventually focusing on Union Station, and you kind of got intercutting where the homeless guy is picking up and finding the briefcase. They're figuring out it's Union Station, and they're going to send the. Uh, the SWAT team or, you know, the local police to, to Union Station to find the bomb. Yeah. Uh, so Claudio leaves a, the briefcase in, like, a you know, some a terminal or whatever. Yeah, and it's been picked up by a homeless guy, and is, he's going to... trying to work it open. Work it open, right. Uh, and then at the same time, you've got, uh, you know, back at... You've got some... The real, the real plot kind of un- unfolding back at the uh, Dulles... Yeah, the State Department, State whatever, Department, whatever right. building that is. Uh, yeah, I, this using this gesture, the idea that this gesture that she does is what makes him realize that she's really behind it all. Yeah, they needed to figure out a better thing, to, better thing to connect because it's weak. It's it's really weak, and just 
the idea that like, well, nobody else in the world would ever make this gesture. Like, you know, it is kind of a awkward gesture. She kind of like slaps her hands like yeah. one hand against the other, and it's extreme. It's actually it's, but it's not. You know, I, if if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, that must be some Colombian gesture that people do. Like right. She's you know, even regardless of of uh, like how Germans uh, determine the is it the number three? I think. In, oh, in right. Glorious Bastards? Glorious Bastards. Yeah, 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 I got you. This is the German three. Yes. It's, it's, yeah, instead of the three, it's, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm gesturing. That's really helpful on a podcast. <laughs> Can't you hear what I'm doing with my hand? Yes. Uh, so that's the Colombian version, right, of slapping, right. slapping hands together. But it's just not the kind of thing where anybody would say, well, it's irrefutable proof that those are the same person. Same people. Yeah. Uh, and it's not really that, like, satisfying either. It's not the kind of thing where it's just like, oh, like, as an audience, we should be going, like, I should have seen that coming. It's just like, I, what? I don't know. Like, it's just, it doesn't work. I, I agree. Um, it, it like, some of John Leguizamo's jokes land with a thud. I just, it, it's not, I think I, we opened this with, you know, it's supposed to be the Kaiser Soze moment. It's just, it's not. Yeah. Well, and also the, the, the sequence of events here where he realizes that she's, she, she's in on the, she, she was the person in that video, right. the, the videos that, with the altered voice. And he runs out after her, and he can't catch up with her. And then he runs back and finds the bomb. Yep, and throws it at the the, the skylight. First, you get another briefcase to destroy the skylight. Right. There's a lot of briefcases laying around. It's a good thing it was there to, to smash that window. Yes, and then the, as they you, couldn't have just cleared the room. No, no. he's got to throw it out a window. Well, he's be it's a probably hero. because those red eyes were scaring everybody, and they needed to get it out of there anyway. Because then also, yeah, he flashes back to when they like first arrived at the State Department, and like, oh, she didn't pass through the dinosaur through the like. How would he even notice that? Right. I. It's, uh, I mean, I think it's lazy filmmaking. It's just for the audience to piece it all back together. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because she she asked to go to the bathroom. Yep. And I actually have. I, I'm glad because he gives the Are you alright? <laughs> that line has been coming up in more movies than I ever would have remembered. Are you alright? Are you okay? Are you okay? Uh. Yeah, but she she snapped Jane Lynch's Lynch's yeah, neck. Yeah, I just have Jane Lynch's no more. Yeah, she didn't last long. <laughs> no, she didn't. We hardly knew ye. Uh, yeah, and then then this is where she goes in the elevator. She snaps some other guy's neck. He's just like, oh, what's going on? And she just kill or no? She like she chops him in the she throat. She chops him, and then I think you can assume that she shoots him um, on the elevator ride down. Either way, I think she like collapsed his windpipe. Like, yeah, he's, he's probably dead. He's gone. What you do also have another dating is just before this, or a couple of scenes before this, you get the truck bomb established. As well as El Lobo on the motorcycle with a Palm Pilot, where I'm like, oh man, this is definitely the early 2000s. <laughs> was it a Palm Pilot? It absolutely, it's a Palm 3C or something like that. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought it was the a mapping cell phone. Soft. And no, it is oh. Palm, very, very distinctly noted. That's right, because he does have the map on his device. Yep, and it is a Palm. Wow. It's and back then, I mean, this is you know pre oh yeah pre no, smartphone no that, smartphones that that was that would have been really high tech in 2001. I mean, so. I had a I had a Palm Pilot in 2003, so I, I was pretty you were close. catching up. I too. wasn't quite as as far ahead of the curve as uh, as this guy. I had one before that. They, I mean, the Palm Pilot was a great device for its time, but really the genius was is why don't I take this really great organizer and put it connected with a phone? That really was the genius is connecting a 
Palm Pilot of the phone, which is effectively what the iPhone was. And amazingly, Palm, the Palm Company did not Couldn't make, figure it out. It could not make that. It's like you're almost all the way there. You're so close. <laughs> you just missed the last step. This may, I wonder how many, like, what, what was the last time a Palm device ever appeared in a movie? <laughs> this, this has got to be right on the cusp. <laughs> yeah. Because the company itself, it was a spinoff from 3Com, and it was one of those that it was a rocket ride to the moon. And then you see, because this is around the tech wreck yeah. of 2001. It wasn't. It was shortly after this movie that Palm the company ceased to exist. It was bought by you know somebody else and just you know ran into oblivion. Yeah, it's funny though. That's one of those things that I was watching it and I just took it for granted. Like, oh yeah, he's got the map and his smartphone. Like, I didn't. I didn't put the two and two together because okay. it's just one of those things that it's so ubiquitous now. No. Just, that's a thing you see every day. People looking at a thing on their on, on a their device. Phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't even think of it. This is way before smartphones. So Brent, both Brant and Gordy are chasing after Selena. It only works out well for one of them. Yeah. Uh, before we get to this chase, I just want to ask this question because it's definitely something that this, – this is the, the thing about the twist I want to talk about. So, yeah, Gordy throws the bomb out of the skylight, saves everybody. Do you think this movie would have been better or at the very least if this twist would have had more impact – if he hadn't been there and gotten there in time, save everybody. Been, if it had been, because you know, I think like this twist really doesn't land for some of the reasons we've already talked about, but also like it's just there's no impact to it. It's just like oh, I figured it out, and just he, you know, he saves the day. It's like I think I think around this time I was thinking about like Arlington Road. I haven't watched that movie in forever, but yeah. that definitely has a similar feel twist yeah. at the end. But that movie follows through with its twist and has an impact, whereas this. I just wonder if, like, if it, if they'd gone through with that and been like, "Oh yeah, they they fooled everybody, including Gordy," and you yeah, know, he's got to get he's going to get him now because he's you know he's been gotten twice now basically. Like, I I just couldn't help but wonder, like, maybe this movie would have been better, if, or just had more kind of gravitas or something. I think that you're right that the the twist would have had a bigger payoff and been more impactful if it wasn't just oh now I need to go run and get the dinosaur and get rid of the di- you know right. the dinosaur. In particular, because from both sides, right, that Gordy would have been fooled twice, but that she would have been willing to continue to go through with it with a casualty being her adopted son. Right. Well, that's the other thing is, yeah, she, there's no real emotional impact to that. She should be really, like... Torn. Yeah, exactly. Like she I, There's a little the, bit of it, but she drops it pretty quickly. The only bit you get is her doing that gesture, and that's just... She's, just, she's upset that he won't come with her. Yeah. So like, come on, let's go. He won't, he won't leave. And she knows what that means that he's gonna. She's gonna. Yeah. No. She she moves on. I think too fast from that. Way too fast. So I I think it's a good question and an interesting point that I think for both it would have since this is definitely not supposed to be one of the lighter and you know cartoon that 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 would have been maybe the better choice. I not that I'm advocating for you know higher deaths in the movie, but that I, mean, I think a, it would have had a, a bigger. Impact. It's a movie. It's you yeah. know. It's it's as long as you're going to make a movie about you know terrorism. I mean, again, I'm sure a lot of it was just the time that it was made. That they, 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 I don't know if they ever had plans to do that. Probably not. You know, if they did, then they, I, they certainly would have changed it. There's no doubt if that was their, if that was the original plan. Yeah. I, there's no way they would have went through with that. Yeah, probably. Um, so yeah, you get the then chase. <laughs> well, Elias Cody gets shot. That's what yeah, I mean. Like he, he, he fires dies. wildly into that. He's the worst. Like, yeah. he's really not an effective. Uh, no, he, he doesn't know how to clear an. It's elevator. clear that he's only effective when he's up in a chopper and they're having you know a firing down. <laughs> right. He's got an arsenal yes. along with him. That's that's. 
but you know, but he gets to die a hero basically. At least he tries to save the day. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, it, it's, I wonder this character. I feel like should have been more of a villain, or at least what was originally going to be. I agree, but they certainly made him more heroic. Yeah. So he's number fifty-five. Just sort on Gordy. Uh, Gordy uses his belt, and you, I got you got Arnold face. Classic Arnold. Yes, face. it is fantastic. This is one of the greatest. Like, you get, first of all, Arnold face is always best when he's in close up. He gets close up of him sliding on this thing. He's just going like, Argh! he's holding onto the thing with his belt. Yes. Uh, yeah, I and mean, this is one of the most like probably the most serious movie that has an instance of Arnold face. Because yes. yeah, and really, it's a very distinct Arnold face. It is. Yeah. No, but it's it's like the quintessential Arnold face. He's making that face. Yes. So you get the, there's a, a little bit of a. More fight chase sequence. She gets a couple of kicks in on him. I don't think it really matters. You then get down into kind of the bowels of the basement. Well, uh, it's like there's like tunnels that like connect the city. Yeah, I get, things, is this a real thing? Like, I don't know. I, I, I almost feel like this is a something I I would at least buy. Like, oh, there are some like tunnels that run under DC so that like politicians can get around safely or something. But like, I don't know what they are or like, what those tunnels are uh, for. Well, there's natural gas lines there. I do <laughs> know that true. from this. <laughs> That's true. So uh, there you get the Vamanos, which I don't think is very, again, I think that's maybe the best instance of bad accents. Yeah. Um, And so they're taking off on the motorcycle. What I really didn't understand, and maybe you can explain it to me, Gordy goes and he shuts all the gates. How did they make it to gate three? And then if they made it to gate three, take that as established, how do they make it back if he's closed them all and the cars don't work? Wouldn't gate two and one stop them from getting back to Gordy? Is, this, is it sequential? Do we know there's yes. sequential? He, he I presses actually... one, two, three, and he gets all the way down to like nine. They are sequential gates. And well, but like, are they all in a row? Is what I'm saying. I guess maybe gates one and two are in different tunnels or something. Like, maybe. I, I hadn't thought about that. So. I didn't actually look at the map. I didn't bother. I, well, I didn't look at the map either. Then that <laughs> will have to, to be it. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. How if, they could get back. If this had been in any other movie, I would have stopped and, per, and like poured over that map. If this had been Last Action Hero, you know... You I'd, would have I'd, spent the time. You know how much I... I've spent, I haven't been doing it as much as we've been going on, but, like, yeah, I was, by the time we got to this point, I was just so, like, done with this movie. Just like, I, just, I just want this movie to be over. Yes. <laughs> you know? So, and then, I guess, at least for me and that, so they, they come back, he's... He's taken the position that I'm just going to fill this place with natural gas. I'm not sure about that. I was kind of... It's almost like he should have just, like... He punctures those natural gas lines, and then like there's like a showdown where they're they're charging at him with the motorcycle, Cycle. and he's uh, he's standing. He should have just been like getting woozy and passed out yes. <laughs> before they even get there. Just yes, like, oh. that, that's how it ends. Gordy doesn't get his revenge. Right. He's mis- just been overcome by natural gas. I miscalculated this. <laughs> um, so then you know you get the fight sequence. They have to make it. They don't want to have Arnold. I don't think beat up a woman too much, so they. Kind of take care of her quick, and she well, gets electrocuted. Well, you're skipping over that explosion, which is some of the worst. I mean, you, I, know, I know much you hate bad CGI, but yes. that that explosion where he jumps through the door, and then and the, the door flips CGI around. CGI door flips at him, and yeah. he ends up like behind a staircase, a metal staircase that protects him. That whole explosion looks—it's the one of the fakest things. I don't know, more or less fake than the alligators and the eraser. I mean, I think it's pretty, it's pretty close. close. It's pretty close. It's one of the fakest things I've ever seen in a movie, that explosion. It's really, really bad. Yeah. And then, yeah, they're still alive somehow, and there's this fight. There's a, I don't know how they survived that explosion, but whatever. And there's a, They had to have a fight, I guess. They had to have a fight. 
Gordy delivers a line. It's over. And there, it's the, the entire sequence. It's not good. He says it again after the last scene of the movie. Where he's up on the street, yeah. And the guy, the, the FBI guys, come up and he goes, "It's over." I said, "You just said that. Like, yeah. are you sure this time? Because <laughs> you were wrong the first time." Or uh, yeah, or was it they? They were getting to the end, and we don't really want to keep writing any new material. Let's just use the same line that we had downstairs. He was real, realizing that his career was over. He just couldn't. <laughs> that was his catchphrase in this movie. Oh, it's over. Finally, I can go be the governor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so in the ironic death of the fireman using the axe to, yeah. to kill the wolf. It, also a CGI axe. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, they kind of like piece two shots together. You can kind of tell. But okay. It's not as bad as that explosion. But the, So, yeah, yeah I, the, the ironic death of the fireman uses the axe. I, I, there's a long shot of him reacting. He kills, he kills the guy with the axe. And then they cut to him, and there's a long him shot of him just kind of like, he's really intense or whatever. And he... he he almost, it looks like he wants to say something. It looks like he wants to give a one line. I mean, you want, like, despite a the, delicious pun. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down some candidates. Like, Ooh, I was like, let's hear them. I, I was like, what should, what should this one liner have been? Here's what I have. Some of these are better than others. Terrorize that. No, that's what, oh, wait, no, this is this one, oh, this is after the thing explodes. Not after he throws it. Because I, yeah, I, 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 I thought he wanted to give up, because it, one of mine says, no, that's what I call a crotch rocket. <laughs> That actually would have been great. Yeah, because it's, it's when he's hiding behind that stairs. Yeah, the he, stairs. He, he gave a look where he wanted to give a one-liner. So, uh, yeah, and then we cut back up, as you said. He uh, gives the line, it's over again. You get some more news voiceover, and Gordy gets the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yeah, which we don't get to see. Like, that should be the scene. Like, we should see that happen. Yeah. This movie ends, which is kind of like, a, oh, I guess it's, it's over. over. <laughs> I mean, it's like he's telling the audience it's over. Here's what would have happened at the end of the movie if we had had more money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's really, well, the, and we learned from this news report that there was a, that truck, we see it in a truck briefly, but I didn't make the connection, but like, there was a truck full of explosives to do more damage. That Correct. was gonna, yeah, because he's about to dial it when on the phone Arnold kills him with the axe. So, what was the whole point? Like, if like it seems, it seems like their plan was overly elaborate. When in the end, they just had a truck full of explosives on, in the basement of this building. We're gonna blow it up anyway. So why the, the whole elaborate scheme of getting her into the like that command center and the the, the dinosaur? They had a truck full of explosives. I don't yeah. understand. Like, the, the there only, shouldn't have been this thing with the truck full of explosives. Their, their plan should have been use her this scheme to get the bomb into the. The, 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 the only thing that I took it as is that they were redundant, and so the reason she had the dinosaur was that because they were going to be at the State Department. If she happened to be in front of the Secretary of State, which you know, lo and behold, she was in front. Yeah. Of, so that was my only thought: is that maybe they were redundant. I guess so. To make to to make absolutely sure that they got the Secretary of State if she she happened to be there. That's my only thought. I don't think it's well explained, but that was my only guess. Yeah, it just made. I just felt like uh, I don't know. It, it, it seemed like they were risking a lot when all they had to do was just put a bomb in a truck. Um, you know, it's just one. It's whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. So that's that's collateral damage. That's collateral damage. That was kind of at the beginning I was saying like yeah it wasn't as bad as I remember but just going going through this it's just like you know what this movie was pretty bad it's it, not a, it's not good I I still will stand by I don't think it's as bad as the reputation that it has it's just kind of blonde it's a very standard it, action it's, movie again it's, not a lot it's to a talk about forgettable it for. movie yeah it is I, I I'm sure I'll everything we've talked about I'll forget within a week you know it's just it's, it's 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 not like Batman and Robin where it's like it's bad, but boy, there's so many th- things to talk about where yeah, that it's memorable. Yeah, this is just mush. That, yeah, 
But I had alluded to that I, you know, I took some time and, and wanted to look up what was happening in 2002. Yes. And Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm no. very interested to hear. Ready? Do, do you want to do body counts first? And then we'll... Yeah, let's, let's get that housekeeping. So I've got the body count. The final body count was 58. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's pretty high. I don't, what, Eraser was... Uh, 63? It was 60s. I didn't actually look, but... I think I it's know, 63. Yeah, I know it's, this is not our champ, but it's, it's pretty high. Uh, pun count of one. Sven, Sven Sightings won. <laughs> and Arnold's face won. I'm just yes. going to, every time to make sure we're tracking those. Okay, what, what, yeah, so what on, else came out around What here? happened on 2002, as I didn't kind of take notes on the, we'll call it thrillers. There was a Sandra Bullock movie that I, I, I just remember clicking through. I'm like, man, I don't remember this movie at all. Uh, but it was like a type of thriller. There just were a lot of those that I saw. But on the action side, what I pulled down in February... Collateral Damage was actually the first action movie that was released, and another action director, action director, John McTiernan, had Rollerball come out the exact same day. John McTiernan directed that. Yes. Wow, I didn't know that. So oh, the mighty had fallen. Yeah. So I kind of connected those just because it, it. That's not really an action movie, but I wanted to note it because it definitely is an action director that yeah. had done it. Uh, in March, you had Resident Evil and Blade Two, uh, both. Blade- Blade Two is okay. I like Blade Two, um, but it it in an earlier, and I think it was on the Eraser podcast. I had kind of talked about how his career, the decline was somewhat market driven. That the franchises were kind of the start. Blade isn't a good example of it. Resident Evil, I think, definitely is. Not that it's necessarily a franchise that's really lucrative or successful, but there definitely have been a number of those. It did way better than I would have thought after that first movie, which yeah. is oh, God, not awful. good. That, uh, that laser hallway. Did you see it? You remember yes. the laser hole? It, it, no, there's nothing good about it, but this is the establishment of it in 2002. Yeah. Uh, in April, you've got one of those franchises, The Scorpion King, kind of Oof. from from The Mummy. Uh, again, a very forgettable movie, yeah. but uh, did not destroy The Rock's career. Dwayne Johnson's had a, despite being The Scorpion King, he's had a really good career. It was early enough in his career that like he wasn't uh, mainstream famous enough to but do it. Like, like, people don't remember that movie, really. Yeah. Uh, in May, you know, is typically and traditionally when it really starts up with real action movies. And you've got, this is the time period of when the franchises were really starting to be built out or continuations. May had Spider-Man, Attack, Star Wars Attack of the Clones, and Some of All Fears, another Jack Ryan movie. Oh, yeah, that one. Not a good one. No. Uh, in June, here's, here's one of those that totally forgettable. Bad Company with Chris Rock and Anthony Hopkins. I remembered that it existed, but yeah. I had to click through because I totally forgot what it is. And again, it wasn't a bad movie. Totally forgettable. Yeah, it vaguely rings a bell. Uh, but also in June was Minority Report, which is a movie I know you like, and I really, really do enjoy Minority yeah. Report. So a good action movie and not a franchise. It was, you know, source... Um, yeah, a, it's a Philip K. Dick story. Thank you, yeah, Philip sure. K. Dick story. Uh, July had a sequel to Men in Black, so another continuation, and unfortunately a terrible, oh, terrible yeah, that sequel. One's bad. So, I never saw three, but after two, I was like, I don't want to no ever see to. any of these movies again. Uh, August had trying to establish, but another forgettable action movie, trying to establish Vin Diesel in Triple X. I don't know if you remember it or not. <laughs> well, it did make a sequel without Vin Diesel. Yes. Well, Ice Cube, I believe. Yeah, I'd never seen either one of those. Not good. Uh, doesn't look good. September, a very forgettable action movie. Ballistic X versus Sever. Yes. Lucy Liu and Antonio Banderas. My dad owns that on DVD. Are you serious? I can't even imagine why. Why would he own that movie? (laughs) I don't know. I I was... was, Even in 
the five dollar bin, it's not worth it. No, he bought. I think he paid full price. So he, as soon as that movie, I don't know why he. I, I've never. I was, you know, I, I'll occasionally house it for them, and every time I'm there, it's like, I should watch this just to see how bad it is. I can't bring myself to do it. It looks so bad. There's no reason to. Oh. I've seen it. Oh. Uh, in November and then December, there are either action or fantasy movies, but again, with the kind of franchises, it's Die Another Day in November, the oh, really yeah. terrible last Bond, uh, Pierce Brosnan Bond movie. That's probably the worst Bond movie ever made. Uh, it's up there. I don't know if it's my least favorite, but it's right right there. Wait, you gotta say what's, what's worse than Die Another Day. Uh, we have the, to pause for that. Okay, the, uh, hold on, uh, A View to a Kill, I really do not like. Oh, I, 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 I know you like kill. that one. I do not like that one. I don't like it. It's bad, but I like, I think it's like fun bad. It's like so silly and dumb. Grace Jones and, and Christopher Walken. Chris, I, I, I hate yeah, Christopher Walken's fun in that one. Die Another Day is just like, it's, it's more like collateral damage where it's just like blonde, dumb, and, and like, it's, it fits the theme that I said of forgettable. It is one of the most forgettable Bond movies, without yeah, a doubt. That's bad. That's my least favorite Bond movie. And then in December, a Star Trek Nemesis and Lord of the Rings of Two Towers, which is I, it's my favorite of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. Uh, the only other things I just want to have, so there were actually a couple of notable international movies for me. Infernal Affairs, uh, oh, yeah, which yeah. is uh, what uh, The Departed is basically stolen from. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, scene for scene. It's basically the same. Same movie. It's, uh, City of God, which is a, a really, really great movie. If, I don't know if you haven't seen it. And then more that it's memorable and it's really tough to watch. Irreversible is an uh, international movie. It's really tough. There's a, there's a few scenes in that movie that are really tough to watch. I don't know if you've seen it. That one I have not seen. It, there's, there's a... Yeah, it's, I've heard it, the title. I don't even know what it's about. There's a really graphic rape scene, and then it's a revenge movie, kind of told like Memento, out, out of sequence, okay, or it, like in reverse. Uh, there, but some of the revenge, like mur- they're they're rough. I mean, they, a lot of stuff in that movie is really rough. Uh, and is then it like a, uh, Old Boy or something like that kind of a movie. Yeah, but darker. I mean, really? Yeah. It, is there's that possible. It, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then just a couple of others that I wanted to highlight that were not in the like wide release, but more limited release, but definitely would be a release that would be in theaters here in Chicago, but not nearly as big of an opening as, as some. Yeah. Uh, Narc with Ray Liotta, which is a movie that I, I really enjoy. Yeah, you've always you've recommended that in the past. I still have not You're seen it. You're not as big of a kind of crime fan, so I'm not sure you'd like it as much, but I think it's a good movie. And then uh, other notables, 25th Hour, which is a Spike Lee movie that yeah, I really enjoy. That's one, that's one of my favorites for sure. Uh, and then not one that I necessarily like, but I do think um, you know got a trend going with 28, uh, 28 Days Later. Really kind of got the zombie thing yeah, amping up. It was the beginning of the zombie craze. For I, sure. I think there was a, a the remake of Dawn of the Dead had come out before it, but no, that was a def- definitely not 2002. I think the remake of D- to Dawn of the Dead is 2005. Really? Okay, yeah, then it's I, later than I thought. I'm I'm positive to, it's not. It was after 2002. Okay, so that's kind of what was going on. And as I said, there were some kind of like thrillers and dramas. There was like K19, Widowmaker, yes, Widowmaker. Yeah, that's one I. I had zero clue. I didn't remember it at all. I had to I click saw through. that years ago. I don't remember much about it. But, I, should, I should rewatch that. I remember kind of liking it, but I don't remember any. But that, that's what my point is: is there just were a lot when I looked through the list of just like collateral damage, not necessarily bad movies, just forgettable movies. It's a it's it's a kind of a transitionary period in Hollywood where it was kind of moving away from like the traditional like St- standalone kind of adult movie if you will drama yeah like like you know i think the 90s had a certain type of thriller like action thriller you know like clear and present danger and stuff yep. like that the fugitive stuff we've already talked about and it kind of you know the matrix came out in 99 like but it, it was like 
feel like the first couple years of the 2000s was like a weird period where the Hollywood was moving out of that model, but hadn't quite found like the bonkers like uh, superhero model, Tent, or, tentpole model, that cinematic we universes. Yes, you know. Or it can't just be one movie. It's got to be set up for the next seven. Yes. And, and that's, yeah, you're in that transition phase where you still have maybe trilogies are being done and sequels, yeah, but so not an entire, as you said, the universe. Right? I think that's the transition because you had Lord of the Rings. I mean, to a, in a sense, that's a cinematic universe where right. the first movie is only, it doesn't have an ending. It's setting up, you know, making a movie without any clear yeah, it, resolution. It has, to, it has to continue, like more like a TV model. Right. Uh, yeah, so like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars is kind of, the start of that. Because you think about it, like even the first three Star Wars movies, they weren't like that. Like the first Star Wars movie, there was no guarantee there'd be a sequel. I mean, once it was a huge, like the biggest success, success in the world, obviously they were going to make a sequel. But like, you know, that movie is relatively self-contained. Like it, Phantom Menace. They, it's not at all. It's not. Yeah. No. It's, it's all set up. So uh, it's kind of a bummer. Like to see, like, at the very least, like Hollywood now, they know how to do that. Even though I think you and I are both on the same page in terms of like not everything has to be a cinematic universe like they kind of go in a little too far. far with it yeah but at least they know how to do it now whereas like <laughs> this period 2002 they kind of didn't know they were, they they were, were like, blind in yeah. the dark room trying to figure their, their way around because there are some good movies in there but it's all, those, all of them are kind of one off like anomalies know, yeah or just like a director having a vision whether it's Minority Report or 25th Hour like a talented director saying this is the movie I want to make but in terms of just like the standard thrillers, like, you know, you think about something like The Fugitive, that's an adaptation of an old TV show. Yep. That's the studio saying, we've got this property, we want to make something, and doing a good job of it. And I feel like, for a while, they didn't know how to do that anymore. The only stuff that was good was the stuff that was the, the filmmaker driving it. Yeah. Not, not and, the studio. Yeah, and you would have had that just a couple of years prior, and I think I've known, you know, Memento, which is the beginning of Christopher Nolan's career. Yeah. I mean, that's original material that they had written you're right. The the movies that are stand out in the probably early 2000s are the really good directors or maybe really good writers being allowed to do what they do, but then it's self-contained because they're just making one movie. Yeah, the Hollywood machine was just broken for a while. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of a bummer. And maybe a bummer in some ways, but maybe good in some ways because now I think it's almost harder for some of those maybe new up-and-coming directors to have that freedom to to be able to build something that's not a universe well that's the thing is like i feel like all movies now it's either a little independent thing there's no in between yeah or a giant like multi-film series the the thrillers the fugitives of the world are gone yeah and that's the real tragedy of it it's just like you know that there's a room for that like i certainly wouldn't mind seeing more movies like that yeah and within at least the marvel you know cinematic universe the the things that have been most interesting and recently are when they've broken a little away from it and gotten to the Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man. Right. But now that's, I'm afraid, becoming part of the formula, and yeah. those won't be as fun either. I kind of, we're recording this the day after uh, Captain America Civil War. Civil, yep. Civil War just came out. I, I kind of don't want to see it just because of Ant-Man, because I did like Ant-Man a lot, and it was a standalone movie. It didn't really, I mean, what, the Falcon or whatever is in it. Yeah, but so, briefly. Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh so yeah, I kind of don't want to see Ant Man as part of the Giants because <laughs> it's like no, let it be just be let a it fun be its movie. Own thing. Yeah. Let it be its own series. Oh, just wait until they fold the Guardians of the Galaxy into the you know wait till you know Star Lord meets Captain America 
God, I'm just the day that happens is the day I I never see movies again because it's going to happen. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> okay. So we uh, we we covered. Uh, I think we covered everything except for now. We've got to determine where we're go- where we've been is covered. Where are we going? Yeah, it's, it's your pick. That's how I'm up. So, so we've we've covered uh, the, the low budget uh, action genre because we did Commando and pre governor decline. Pre governor decline. So the field's pretty open. Field's wide open. I uh, I was very tempted since you told me that uh, some of our listeners had given a couple of suggestions. I was very tempted to try and uh, give the give them to take Killian's advice and give, give them the what, they, what they, they want. Yeah. Uh, but one of them was going to be off the board because it was pre governor decline. It was a different movie, The Sixth Day. Yeah. Uh, and then the other was in, within comics. Uh, the comic book adaptations, I believe, is Red Sonja. Yeah. So I was tempted, but I didn't go there. Yeah, I mean, we definitely Yet. we welcome the suggestions, Yet. and we'll take them into But, you know, we're, we've got other considerations. For, for the Red Sonja suggestion, that, that may be forthcoming, but we'll see. I decided to use my pick for the post-governor return. It's going to be something I don't think either one of us have seen. I know I haven't. I am going to go with... What do you think it is? Well, it's either going to be Maggie or uh, The Last Stand, I'd say. Oh, wait, no, did you say we haven't seen it? Haven't seen it. Oh, so it's got to be Maggie. Maggie. Because I've, yeah, I've seen everything else. Yes, so I'm, I'm going to go with the zombie story, Maggie. Okay, I'm, it's, uh, I think that just got, went up on Amazon Prime, if you have a Prime membership. So. It was on both Netflix and Prime. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still up on both, but I will be watching it on Amazon. Okay, that's, I'm excited to see it. We're, we're, we're knocking out a lot of the Arnold movies we've never seen. Yeah. Because there aren't, there aren't going to be very many left after this. No. Because you've never seen, uh, I just said it, what was it, Escape Plan, right? Never seen Escape Plan. Neither I've... one of us has seen Red Sonja. Nope. And you've, you've never seen the second Conan movie. Correct. I think that's it. Yeah. So... Uh, Uncharted territory, and I'm I'm pretty oh, excited. And I've never seen the Sixth Day. So. I have seen it. And I wish I had. <laughs> that was another suggestion, by the way. We forgot about that. Did it, oh, did yeah, I said, but I could I could not pick that one because it's within the category that uh, we just did. Yeah, you're Collateral right. damage. You, you did just say collateral damage just scrambled my brain because uh, I can't. <laughs> it's very forgettable. It's so forgettable. I'm making. It's making me forget things that you just said. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's affected, pushing other things out. It's affected my ability to remember things, yes. not just the ability to remember this movie. Uh, perhaps it. Maybe this is actually what happened to Leonard Shelby and Memento. It's not this elaborate thing <laughs> he where he had he saw collateral. <laughs> damage one too many times you see i've got this condition <laughs> I, I saw the most forgettable movie and i can't make new memories yeah, that's a, i'm gonna you know what that's it after we're done with this i'm gonna suggest to christopher nolan i've got an idea for a sequel to memento that should have been our, one of our pitches from yes. two, two episodes back that's, that's my new pitch yeah. you've seen collateral damage too many times and you can't make new memories it's like the ring except instead of killing you it just, it just wipes it, new it, memories yeah, exactly all right but yeah that's the show, that's uh, the show. tune in next time until then uh, you can follow us on twitter at bad puns podcast and uh, you can write us an email at questions at bpamg.com. So, so now my business, which is a rule in a crisis situation. That's right. So I had a hard time with this one, somewhat with the, the somber tone of the movie. Uh, and there, there wasn't a lot. But it came to me as about 15 minutes on my way over here to record. I'm like, oh, I've got it. And I'm very excited. Okay. And it's one of, it came from the inspiration is from one of the worst scenes in the movie. Uh, so the rule in a crisis situation is if you're captured, always keep your mouth shut because somebody may try and send a snake down your throat <laughs> yeah. or, but in the more practical application is you're never going to be able to give them any good information for your benefit. But right. in this one, I'm like the most comedic thing is that yeah. snake. So always keep your mouth shut. A literal and metaphorical. Yes. Just, 
just keep your mouth shut. Yeah. I, I, that's that's a great one. Yeah, the, yeah. the snake the snake scene is the most memorable scene in this movie, so it makes sense that the rule would come from that. I I was grasping, and I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah. So when captured, uh, keep your mouth shut. Yes, I like it a lot. And uh, if you you know like us, as uh, Kevin indicated, please give us a review or uh, like us on your podcast app of choice. That's right, and you know, tell your friends, and you know, if if you're on any kind of you know message boards or whatever just spread the word you know, we would definitely appreciate that uh, we're, you know, this our second season we're, I think we're going to make more of an effort to, to do it ourselves but you know if you like the show you know, tell your friends it's uh, be much appreciated but anyway that's the show tune in next time when we discuss Maggie I'm looking forward to seeing it as am I thanks thanks